BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. I've been in jail like 20 times. <laughs> when I was younger, yeah, when I was younger, I was an asshole. <clears throat> And I got locked up for everything. But being in jail, I've always in jail with people who regret everything they've done and wish that they did something a certain type of way. So mm-hmm. if some guy is aggressively getting at my girl and she don't want to get at him, then at this point, it's like, bro, let's just turn and walk away. He can say whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Fuck, nigga. I'll take your bitch all this. And in my mind, I'm like, all right, you can say all that. But as long as you don't put your hands on us or do something like this where it gives me the okay to like basically bury you mm-hmm. then i'm a-okay mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying but mm-hmm. just talking wise like i'm just not that and then some people would say and be like oh you a fuck you a bitch ass nigga all right well how about you come over here and you do something to where it's me against you um in either close combat close quarters combat or a gunfight and i'll show you the bitch ass nigga anybody anybody says close Close combat, whatever the fuck you just said. Close quarter combat. They whooping your ass. <laughs> Anybody that 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 don't say, hey, uh, you you pull up and just nah. Describe myself in two words, rich and unemployed. These stones cost two birds. Let it count it when she bored. Deposit hit chicks, clearing ace. Nothing void. I know that ain't my ex calling. Null and void. Where we going? Money going up. All right, welcome to the Rich and Unemployed Podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Dubatine, a.k.a. Finesse. Also known as Rich. Call me anything, but don't call me broke. Uh, before we get started, make sure you guys check out the Patreon. I'm, um, I'm showing you guys how to date. Uh, I don't know what tier that is, but I think it's called date night. Showing you guys how to date, how to date women. I went on a date with five women. I actually went to Miami, went to Miami. I had a girl beg me for sex. It's all on camera. You go check it out. Um, you could book a one-on-one call with me as well. Um, the link is in the description. Uh, if you want to talk about me about business, relationships, whatever it is, uh, check out the website, www.richunemployed.net. And, uh, that's it. All right. We got a very, very special guest today. Uh, this is my homie. Um, rich guy, you rich and unemployed? Yeah. Yeah. How, how long have you been rich and unemployed? So I started my company back in 2017. You, so got, you got rich that quick? No, in the first year I got rich. So let me just, I have to tell people this. Hold on, what's your name, nigga? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right, so if everybody don't know, everybody know me as Gooch, first name Jonathan, and who is Gooch on Instagram, but everybody called me my last name. Like mm-hmm. even when I was younger, like people, I would tell people, hey, my name is Jonathan. And if it, the first person they hear call me Gooch, it instantly turned. Uh, it yeah, just instantly, yeah, it, I, yeah. It's like, 
something like subconscious that happens. They I just like the words. I, I gotta ask you this because me and him be joking about this shit. Because every time I say Gucci, be like, bro, we gotta get this man a uh, nickname. <laughs> so do they, do they ever make fun of you about the Gooch name? Yeah, they do, but it's played out by now. Yeah, like I, I, it's so played out. Like I yeah. understand. Like all right, cool. It's like oh yeah, ha ha, whatever. All right, like, come up with something else better. All right, we had to get that. It's spelled the same way though. That's For sure. Yeah. <laughs> I never knew how it was spelled. Yeah. I never knew how it was spelled. Yeah, my last name is just how it's spelled. Shout out to all the guys who want the Gooch lick. <laughs> um, that's funny. I don't like my Gooch lick. Word. Yeah, my name. It don't. Be that it up. don't do shit for me. Yeah, I don't like that. Yeah, it don't do nothing for me. Yeah, like, it, and then it, it be. I don't really like really like sloppy head either. Like, all right, so, like, have you ever seen somebody get hit, like, in a car driving and all, like, the other shit like that? I'm like, I don't want that because, like, I have pants on. <laughs> I don't want my pants wet. I don't want all that shit. Who the uh -huh. fuck, who rides around with just with a towel Facts. just to be able to be like, oh, let right, me clean right. this up. It's like, mm -hmm. I got some stuff to do after that. I ain't gonna say I don't like it. I just don't care for it. I don't really, yeah. Uh, I don't like hair like that anyway. That's me personally. Oh, my God. All right, well, let's get into business. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't say you don't like hair. Let's get the business out of the way. Let's yeah, get okay. the business out of the way. Because we got to get into this shit. Uh, <laughs> oh, we'll put a pen in it. We'll yeah. So, <laughs> let's, let's explain to people oh, what you do. Yeah, so, so but what I was saying was, um, just explain what people do is, um, I'm one of what you consider to be like a healthcare entrepreneur. Um, I have a degree in healthcare administration, uh -huh. but it took me 10 years to actually get my bachelor's degree in healthcare administration. And then um, that's when I said I started my company in 2017 because I graduated college in December of 2016 with my healthcare degree. Why take you two years? Because when I went to school first, the first year I took like a full load and we was paying for it out of pocket. No, my bad. My mom was paying for it um, through like FAFSA mm -hmm. and student loans and stuff. And then after the first year, my mom was like, you know what? We're not going to do this anymore. We're going to pay out of pocket. But mm. she was like, we pay out of pocket. I can't send you every um, semester for four or five credits. Right, You're right, going right. to have to take one and two, but you'll, it'll work out better that way. And I was a tattoo artist, too, for like 12 years. Tattoos and full body piercings. So I would go to school for one semester, take one class. Then next semester, take two classes. Then next semester, wouldn't take any classes. And then the next you. semester. Okay. Yeah. So then I graduated. Well, but um, but get back into it. Yeah, so mm -hmm. the first company I opened up in 2017 was my home healthcare company. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and then once I opened up my home healthcare company, within that time period of me opening it up, um, and then literally 12 months later, I made a million dollars in my first year. But I lost 600 grand of that million dollars that I made within that first year. So I was living in like a two-bedroom apartment, um, townhouse, paying 1500 and then boom, okay. made a million dollars. <laughs> okay, hold up. Um how did you make the million dollars? So in a year. Yeah. So for, for is that is that a, wait is that a typical thing for people that's in the same field in their first year to get a million dollars? No, it's not. Okay. So what ended up happening was um, <clears throat> so for what I do, I send out nurses, CNAs, LPNs, and registered nurses to take care of individuals inside the home. So every, old people or just everybody? Everybody, whether mm -hmm. they're old, young, um, middle aged, if they have like some type of disability or need some type of help inside the home, uh -huh. um, I send staff out to help. Mm -hmm. I also got my Medicaid number. So now specifically, I really work with kids up under the age of 21 that have different things that are like premature, born at like 24 weeks. If a kid is born at 24 weeks premature, their lungs not fully developed. Mm -hmm. So what that means is they're on oxygen, BiPAP, CPAP, trach invented, like, you know, they can't breathe, got to get fed through their stomach, a lot of different things like that. So I sent out nurses to take care of these individuals. So every second, every hour that my nurse is inside of the home, I'm making money off of them. 
So mm-hmm. typically, if my nurse is inside of the home, and we're talking about like a trach event case, an RN is inside the home, I'm making somewhere like around 17 to $20 an hour. Mm-hmm. And a lot of my cases that's like that, it's 84 hours a week, 56 hours a week. So, I mean, if you simply do the numbers off of like one of my skilled cases, um, I mean, that one case I net, what I put in my pocket is like around $26,000, dollars mm-hmm. off of just one case like that. So within my first year, um, I ended up going to this one doctor office. They liked what I had to say, and they ended up giving me 26 cases within like one month time period. Mm. So my company literally went from in, I think I may have opened up in like May, and then in August, they ended up giving me 26 cases. And then like you got to realize, like one of my cases for a skill would bring me 30 grand, close to 30 grand in one year. All mm-hmm. of them wasn't skilled, heavy cases like that, mm-hmm. but I want to say about seven or eight of them was. And then the other ones, which are unskilled, which are, you know, kids or mm-hmm. adults that might need just a little help in the home with ADL services, what you call active daily living, like, you know, brushing their teeth, fixing a meal. Mm-hmm. You know, like, let's say like you got, like your mom might just need help, like bathing and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I make around like $8 um, an hour off of that case. So if you look at $8 an hour on a 40-hour week over 12-month period, that's something like around like 13 grand that um, for the year that I would make. That, and that's what I net, not what I gross mm-hmm. like after I pay everybody what I end up taking home. Mm-hmm. But in my first year, what I ended up making a mistake was I didn't know how to manage that much money and how to own a real company mm-hmm. in the beginning. <laughs> so I was just mismanaging my money. I didn't understand that I need to pay taxes on this money. So the tax man came and took a lot of my money because I didn't, I, you know, I was up on the LLC. I didn't understand that, um, you know, I hadn't having to pay like wage taxes, <clears throat> unemployment taxes. Um, and then like my employees was overworking hours. So every week they'd be like, hey, this employee can work 40 hours for this case. They was working 50, 60 hours and I still had to pay that employee, even though I wasn't getting paid. So a lot of that money went a lot of different ways. Got you. Um is that how you lost the six hundred? Yeah, that's how I lost the six hundred. Okay. And, I mean, because like taxes and employees overworking and, and just other things that mismanaging the money. Okay, so well, how did, how did that make you feel? <sighs> I, I mean, mean, I still made four. I still took home a little bit over four hundred k. Yeah, that's still good. So you know, but just seeing that, I understood at that point that when you run a real business, or when you, what I understood from that point was that I have to have. I had this mentality of, you know. I'm just starting off. I own like a little small company. Mm -hmm. So I was acting like I had a small company. Like I didn't understand I need to have an accountant. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, I need to have a lawyer that help file some of my, um, I need to have a lawyer to help like file some of the things I need to do with Medicaid. So just because of that, it made me feel like I was doing the right thing just the wrong way. Mm -hmm. And I needed to come back and reset Mm -hmm. from the beginning and say, you know what? This isn't something small. Like, mm-hmm. this is going to be something that could take care of my mom. And, like, now my mom is retired. You know, mm-hmm. now I've paid her house off. I've done a lot of things like this. But, you know, anything that I do now, I make sure from the beginning, I start off right. Let me ask you this. So, I mean, you were doing tattoos and piercings. Yeah. But you was going to school for healthcare, correct? Yes. Why did you choose healthcare? Because healthcare is recession proof. Uh. Let me just ask you a question. Like, give me two goals of yours in life. Just two simple goals. Um, to retire by 40 and tone a, tone a $20 million crib in, in L.A. All right. How old are you now? 33. You're 33. So if, Lord behold, I hate saying, but if you was to pass away tomorrow, do you think you could do any one of those goals? No. Do you think that if you was to get sick and you was to be in the bed 
in a coma or just bedridden for the rest of your life, do you think you could attain any of those goals? Maybe. No. Maybe. No. I mean, but that, that's a realistic answer. So the thing is with healthcare, no matter what you want to do in life, you have to have some type of health. Mm-hmm. You have to be some type of fit or, you know, you just have to have like some type of consciousness. So when I was a kid, when I was 17, I had to choose what I wanted to go to school for. Um, I thought about everything I wanted to do. I was like, man, you know, I want to be a, I want to drive 18 wheelers. Mm. You know, I want to be a lawyer. You know, I want to be able to do all these amazing mm. things. But I thought about it and I said, the one thing that I know is we have to have health care. It don't matter if we're going to war. Mm. It don't matter, you know, if the economy fall. When COVID hit, the only things that moved for literally like, remember, it was like one or two days where everything shut down. Everybody was scared. Mm. The only thing that mattered was health. Mm-hmm. What else have we had in the world that shut down like literally the nation like this? Went up, you know, back when World War II happened, World War One happened. But outside of that, we've never had anything that should like shut down the mm-hmm. world together. Mm. COVID did it. That's healthcare. So I wanted to have something that was recession proof that I knew no matter whatever happened, I was still going to be able to make money. And that's why I, I went into healthcare because I wanted to be a doctor. But I'm like, shit, that's, I don't want to go to school. For I make way more than doctors. <laughs> okay, so what about year two? How did that go for you? So year two, so after year one, I end up cleaning up everything. Um, after year one, I end up um, coming across a young lady named Alexis, who she worked for like another company. Um, I end up being, she actually ended up taking a pay cut to come work for me. Mm-hmm. She took a big chance because she had a salary making like 70, 80 grand. And then she ended up coming and making like 50 grand with me because I was paying her like $1,000 a week. Mm-hmm. Um, she helped me pretty much put my company back where it needed to be at. Or how I really should have started off from the front because she had like a master's in some, yeah, master's in something, I can't remember. Mm-hmm. Um, so she helped me get it back to where it was. And then the second year, I ended up making maybe like 1.4 million, somewhere around there. Like it only went up just a little bit because I stopped taking on all these clients because I really didn't know what I was doing. And I just stayed because every, it don't matter if I keep the same number of clients, every year I'm gonna make the exact same amount. Mm-hmm. And once you get clients in my industry, they typically stay with you mm-hmm. um, for years. So I still got some of my clients now that have been with me since the beginning. Well, how, how much did you profit out of 1.4? All right, so um, out of 1.4, that year I probably end up taking home after I paid everybody, probably end up taking home close to a million. What do you think the average person makes in this, in this field? Um, the average person in my field? So, I've helped somebody start a company like mine, and he literally just texted me the other day. He was like, Gooch, I'm on track to make my first million this year. Mm-hmm. And he just started his company less than a year ago. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's get it. Let, let's, let's try to figure out how people get into this. Like, yeah. if, if someone was interested in doing what you do, what would be the first step? Because you went to school. But and- you didn't. But <clears throat> to do what I do, I have to explain this to people. To do what I do, you don't need a healthcare degree and you don't have to have any knowledge in the healthcare field to do what I do. I just happened to get my degree because I started school and my mom wanted me to finish school. So I'm the first person um, in my household to have a four-year degree. Mm -hmm. So that was more for my mom. So you don't need, like I said, you don't need any medical training or medical background to do what I do. One of the first steps that somebody can do, you can do it in any state, in anywhere, because people are sick all over the, I mean, around the world, people Mm -hmm. are sick everywhere. But one of the first things that somebody could do, they could literally just Google um, home health care application and then put your state name behind like home health care application, um, Georgia, a home health care application, Nevada. Mm-hmm. And what's going to pop up is you're going to see a whole bunch of websites. You're going to see a whole bunch of other companies saying, hey, we can help you open up your company. Mm-hmm. But you're going to look for the one that has dot gov behind it. So ours is like um, Georgia something dot gov. 
And then you just click on that. And it's going to literally give you the application. Or they can just reach out to me because I do have a mentorship that I help people open up home healthcare companies around the country. And I got maybe around like 900 mentees. You don't say. Yeah, all of them. What is the success rate for people? Um, so let me just say this. Um, out of... Now, when I sit here and say I have like 900 mentees, that's 900 people that have like brought my course and my mentorship. But as of like direct mentorship, one-on-one mentorship, I think it's maybe like around like 140, 150. Mm-hmm. Out of that 140, 150, I want to say maybe 105 of those companies around the country are actually successful. The other 45 um, are due to some things that have been with I've dropped the ball and some a lot of it have to do with they dropped the ball also. Mm-hmm. Cause you know, I'm not I'm not one of the people that get up and just put the blame on everybody else. Yeah. So, you know, especially in the beginning when I was first doing my mentorship, you know, I didn't really understand that every person have their own needs. So my mentorship now, um, it's not just like a, a cut and dry where it's like, hey, we want to do X, Y, and Z exactly mm-hmm. like this, like I did with the last person. So now Every single one of my mentorships, I tailor it to what the person needs. Because if I'm opening up a mentorship, if I have a mentorship for somebody that's a doctor versus somebody that's a nurse versus somebody that's coming from a trucking background, those are three totally different mm-hmm. type of backgrounds. So I tailor it to however and wherever they're coming from and their knowledge about healthcare, whether they have it or they don't have it. Got you. Um, how much does one have to invest? Like, because I know you need transportation. Transportation as what you got to, you're not transporting nobody. No, no, like now some of my patients have transportation needs, but that's not something that we have to do. All you do is make the call to the nurse to go to this address. Uh, So you can look at it like a staffing agency. Uh So if you look at a staff, what does a staffing agency do? A staffing agency they have two parts. They have where they have the actual company that they hire for. And Mm -hmm. then they have the employees that go out and go take care of whatever job that is supposed to be taken care of. So just like us, if you look at us, we have the employees, which are the registered nurses. And then we have the job, which is the individual that needs help. Mm -hmm. So all we do is we connect the two. Gotcha. So like I said, my employees, all they do is go to the home. So a lot of people get it confused. They think about personal care homes mm-hmm. and they think about transportation. Now, I do own non-emergency ambulance company, but that's a whole nother thing. But in what people have to understand is my employees, all they do is go to the home. So they will come inside like a place like this, like your home, and mm-hmm. they will take care of you here or your family member here. They do happy endings? <laughs> <laughs> if they do, I'm not getting paid for it. I need it. <laughs> I had to ask. <laughs> All right, so now fast forward from 2017 to 2023. Mm-hmm. How is the company doing now? Amazing. Like, we're growing exponentially. Because the one thing about healthcare is the longer you're doing it or the longer you've been in it, you grow and you grow and you grow every single year. And you mm-hmm. build more connections. Like, the hospitals directly reach out to me now and say, you know, I get calls every day from the hospital, from Cho, from Children's Healthcare Carolina. They call me and say, hey, Mr. Gooch, we got this kid. Can you service him in this area? Mm-hmm. And I either say yes or no. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it, it grows and we built those connections over years because you got to understand when in healthcare, as long as nobody dies and you don't get the patient parents or whoever the patient um, is complaining back to the hospital, um, then, you know, we're doing a good job pretty much. Got you. How was that? So it's not hard to get this. No, it's definitely not hard. It's not hard to make <clears throat> money in this because the one thing is when it comes out to healthcare, you have kids. Mm-mm. All right. 
So think about if you had a kid. You got kids? And, and, no, I don't have any kids. I like wearing condoms. So just in such, what I think of it is. <laughs> no, so what I think of it is, let's say you had a kid right now. Mm-hmm. And what people don't, one of the things of, one of the reasons why most people are in debt in society today is because of healthcare costs. Because mm-hmm. of some type of healthcare. Mm-hmm. You know, they get in an accident and then after call 911, ambulance come pick them up. Then they go to the hospital. They don't have insurance. Yeah, they're going to they're going to take care of you, but then they're going to hit you with a bill. And that bill could be 30, 40 grand. So people, credit cards, all that mm-hmm. out the door because of health care. So if I come to you and I tell you like, hey, and I've been in meetings where I've heard these conversations before. And they're like, hey, your child is getting ready to pass unless we do X, Y and Z and it's not covered by your insurance. So you have to pay out of pocket. Now, think about all the money that you make, everything that's going on. If they tell you that it's, it's going to cost millions of dollars mm-hmm. to do whatever they need to do over the sum of keeping them alive. Would you give up everything that you have to keep your daughter or son alive? Depending on how you treat me. But yeah, 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 I would. Yeah. Most, or, or a parent. Yeah. So that's the thing about it. Um, in healthcare, especially for what I do, like I have patients that are on hospice. Mm-hmm. which means that they're going to pass eventually. Um, it's a sad thing. You know, one of the things that sometimes, as a grown man, a lot of people sit here and say, you know, we're not supposed to cry, but I've had cases where I've teared up because of things that have happened to some of the kids where, like, you know, like I knew this kid mm-hmm. and he has a death sentence mm-hmm. that I know he's going to pass. Mm-hmm. You know, and just just being a man in the world we live in, they, they, you know, you can only bear so much yeah. before it really started getting to you. So it's like I went home after sitting in this meeting and I went home. And I'm like, yo, like I know this kid. Like I've been to the hospital. I visited him. Um, I did his intake. And you're telling me like in less than six months, he has the, he had a cancer that was eating away at his body. They had him so drugged up. And I'm just thinking about everything like this kid life is now. He was 12 years old. And for me to go through that and, you know, I go home and I have to sit on like, He's not going to be with us anymore, but my company's going to take care of him until the last second, which we did. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it hit me. And then even <clears> after <throat> when it happened, like, you know, it, it was something that it, these parents were way stronger than what we know, especially in those type of instances. So the mom insurance didn't cover everything. Um, so the mom was paying, like literally giving up her last. And she was a single family home. The dad ended up leaving back when um, he first ended up coming down with his cancers. Um, the dad didn't want anything to do with it. So the mom was left holding the bag for everything. And she was spending so much money on these type of crazy treatments and doing everything she could to keep her son alive. Dad didn't want to do, had nothing to do with his child having cancer? Yeah. I mean, so the child ended up, um, what essentially happened was the child was playing like basketball or something at the age of like eight, fell out. They took him to the hospital. They didn't know what was going on. And then he started having pains in his leg. Took him back and then they did x-rays, ran all these cultures and they ended up finding out that he had a cancer that literally one out of three in the world. They've only seen his cancer two times before him. And when people hear that, they're like, well, one out of three. But we're talking about one out of three out of what, eight billion people, Mm -hmm. something we've never seen before. So the cancer ended up eating away, um, started where his starting his foot and then started eating away his leg all the way back. The sad part about it was when I was in the meeting. Um, the mom did this long rant. And when I was in this meeting, it had to be like five surgeons flown in from around the country. It mm-hmm. was um, eight nurse practitioners. It was three regular nurses, two hospice nurses, and then me 
from mm-hmm. the home healthcare company. All these degrees, and I'm back, I probably made more than all of them combined mm-hmm. sitting inside this meeting. So that's one of the reasons I do what I do too, because I all these degrees and stuff they had, it was them versus me, because the kid needed to come home. Mm-hmm. Um, he spent two months, two months of him in the hospital on that take right there. His hospital bill was $1.9 million. It took four nurses to do wound care on him because his wounds was that bad. Um, so it was cheaper to bring him home. But when I'm sitting in that meeting, the mom was going through, um, she went through this rant of, you know, the decisions that I make um, was left up to me. God told me to do this. God has my child. And then after meeting, one of the nurses sent me an email and said, hey, just to let you know, the reason why the mom was saying that was because we told the mom um, around like a couple of months ago that if we amputate his leg, he will survive. The cancer is all inside of his leg. We'll amputate the leg, he'll survive. Like the cancer should stop right there. The mom chose not to. So when she chose not to, once the cancer went up his leg and into his spinal cord, at that point, there was nothing that they could do. Like they couldn't stop it at that point because then it started traveling throughout his body. So, you know, these are decisions that, you know, parents have to make um, Mm -hmm. about their children. The mom said, I didn't want my child to be an amputee. I wanted my child to still be like a normal child. And that's what she said inside the meeting. So going through and sitting through meetings like this, like just my view of life and death is just totally different um, on the world right now. And on understanding that people would give their all for mm. their children in their own way, you know, depending on their religion, depending on what they have mm-hmm. to spend. I said, um, no, it is. But that but to come back to your question. Um, yeah, there's a lot of growth in my industry because mm-hmm. of that. So if I walk inside of a room saying, that, hey, you know, I'm going to be the one to take care of your child. And then one, and I hate to say this, one of the worst things you can do is see me walk inside of your room when you're in the hospital. Cause that means that you're, you're pretty much having a bad day mm. because that means you just found out that either a, your child has something really bad going on or B that your child is either getting ready to pass, you know, is getting ready to have like, you know, basically a death sentence. Mm-hmm. And we're figuring out how to get them back into the home so my nurses can take care of them. But one of the good sides of it is some of the children that we've helped actually do have become more healthier, mm-hmm. um, end up not needing my services and things like this. So it's kind of flip side, knowing that my company is going to do everything that it can do the best that it can to take care of these children and adults. Because one of the things we can say is, and one of the things that I always like saying is you're doing a disservice if you can do something the right way or better than somebody else mm-hmm. and you're not doing it. So let's say if you own a company like I own a home health care company, if I know that my medical staff can take care of people way better than anybody else, because in my field, you've heard of like nursing homes end up having where the old people are getting beat up, you mm-hmm. know, not getting fed. So mm-hmm. think about if you had a knowledge to open up a nursing home and do things the right way, then you don't do it. Mm-hmm. But you really can do it. Then you're doing us a disservice by not doing it. Why don't you have children? Um, I mean, you say you like condoms, but... Yeah, but, uh, I was trying to have the fine thing. But no, the reason I don't have children is because I don't see that in my immediate future right now. Because I see people with kids. If I have kids, first of all, I want to be married. Mm-hmm. That's my first thing. Um, my mom said, you know, don't have kids out of wedlock. Uh, and then even when I was younger, like I've had mistakes um, where, you know, women have had to get abortions from, you know, some of the things that we've done. Uh, only one time. That only happened one. I said one. But yeah, <laughs> that only happened one time. Mm-hmm. But my mom was very clear. She said, I don't want any kids out of wedlock. Um, and I'm a, I'm, I value 
family values very strongly. So mm. even to this day, my dad would call me right now and be like, come here right now. I would get up from this chair and go whatever he needed, yeah. whatever my mom needed. Um, and then, you know, my dad be like, hey, don't do this right here. <laughs> Depending on what it is, I, I won't do it. Like, and that's what my family has been instilled from even when I was younger. And we mm. instilled that into like my brother um, has a kid. Mm -hmm. And even my granddaddy would like call my mom and dad and be like, hey, I need you guys to do it. It wouldn't ever be a discussion. It would be just get up and go do it. Um, but to, the reason I don't have a kid, but yeah, because of that and also, um, like I, said, I think a lot of people have kids when they're just not ready. And I don't want to have a kid and do like a disservice to the kid or for the kid not to be nurtured the way that I would want my kid to be nurtured because I had a kid um, as a mistake or just because I was having a fun night or with somebody I don't really want to be with. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what a lot of people problem is. A lot of people look back on their lives and be like, man, you know what? Like, why is my life where it is now? Or what's going on in my life? And I'm like, well, you had a kid with somebody who you essentially weren't supposed to be with. Mm -hmm. You had a kid when you weren't ready to have a kid financially, mentally. Because mm -hmm. when you have a kid, like, that's a, that's a mental toll. If you're not mentally ready to have a kid, then, yeah, you can stand up and end up, you know, learning and being the father, being the parent. But why not just wait until you're ready to have a kid? Mm. And like kind of plan it out more. So I want to plan on having a kid mm. with the person I want to be with the rest of my life. And when I say the person I want to be the rest of my life, that means that like we're married. Mm. I know that at least from right here, we've been through the mud. Mm. You know, these days, somebody, it'd be one night stands. <laughs> you don't get a baby fever? Yeah, I do. Mm. A lot of times I do. I, I love kids. Like I absolutely yeah. love kids. Me too, man. Like I just want my own little junior. Little, little. A little group of kids. Do you want a boy or girl? Or you want to do like a Nick Cannon? Yeah, yeah, something like that. Like, yeah. like Nick Cannon, what, 10 now? I think I think he's almost at I, 10. I see somebody be like, you don't have to pay child support no more. Yeah, after he, 10. He, he didn't hit 10. Yeah, I think after 10, so like on 11. So you want like a basketball team and cheerleading team all together? I ain't going to say that. Uh, I'm going to see how it goes. You know what I'm saying? Like, let's start in five. Like <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I be doing, I, I get baby fever, bro. But I am conscious and very aware of who I stick my penis in and let me ask you this. Have you ever had a woman try to trap you with a kid by trying to have your kid? Literally like um wrap her legs around you. Not not for real, for real. Like, you know, playful, like, oh, don't pull out no, like, yo, let me go, type shit. But I've had women that um I've told to take plan B. Well, I, one woman I told to take a plan B. Mm -hmm. and you know what? I didn't tell her to take a plan B. She said she was gonna take a plan B and then never ate it. I took it. And I was like, why would you do that? <laughs> and so she came to me and was like, yeah, I never took it. And I was like, okay, well, what we do for here? She's like, well, I'm going to get abortion. I said, listen, I'm going to give you this money. If you don't get this abortion, you on your own. I, listen, you ain't for to scare me twice. You ain't for to play with me twice. But like, I already know like, one, it's, it's the women that you deal with. Yeah. You don't know how crazy women are. You don't know. You really don't know them until like you've been with these women for like another six months to a year that's when you kind of like start getting to know them but i know in the, the the initial stages like once i see signs of like craziness or that i don't want any type of future with you mm -hmm. not that i even want to kill with you but what's what's the sign of craziness um clinginess clingy uh, isn't that bad sometimes clinginess when you don't want it like if you're not okay. showing her that you are you really into her and if you're not even showing this this type of affection back then and it's one-sided that's a little bit 
All right, that's a little bit crazy. Yeah, it's a little bit crazy. Like, why you? Why do you feel this way about me? I didn't even give you a reason to. Um, I think women that I think that goes into like the cleanliness, popping up, um, just just doing crazy shit, like asking you about like in the initial stages, like okay, we just started dating. You want to ask me about a certain woman? You want to ask me about like some somebody that commented on my page or like that type of stuff? But like, I think I think that happens with a lot of women. I've had a lot of women. I feel like if I meet a girl today, she expect for me to either A, not be dealing with anybody or B, cut everybody off right then and there. It don't make sense. Just for her. When, <clears throat> when you know, they in a hot girl summer, all that <clears throat> other stuff. And I just feel like for men, that's what they expect out of us. And for like a lot of women, if they see that we talk or deal with anybody else. Like they'd be ready to either cut us off or go crazy and do all this extra stuff. Mm-hmm. Have you ever felt like that before? Like you met a girl and she instantly wants you to be like just available a hundred percent. Don't deal with anybody. Don't have nobody else. Mm-hmm. And if you do, she just like either done with you or just want to be crazy and get you to cut everybody off. Yeah, that's like that's delusion. Um, for one, I just met you, and two, I gotta see if I like you or not. And then it, uh, these other people that I've <clears throat> been dealing with. You don't know what type of level we on. How do you expect me to cut everyone off for someone that I just met? No, I, I'm dead with it, but I don't care. You know what I'm saying I'm not. I'm not. I'm not listening. Do you lie to women though? I used to. Um, I had a real bad problem with lying to women, but now no. Now no. So like, you used to lie as like if you meet a girl and she's like, "Are you talking to anybody else?" You'd be like, "No, I'm not talking to nobody else." I, I used to, yeah. I'm like, nah, not for real. No, uh. Uh-uh. I like it. Not for real. Not for real. (laughs) But nowadays, no, I'm telling, I'm I'm keeping it real. Like, I'm not got a couple friends. Mm -hmm. That's what it is. I got a got a couple friends. I mean, the number one spot is available. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's funny. That's hilarious. Last time we was here, you asked me, um, no, no, we was talking about women asking for stuff. Yeah. And, you know, people think this is like I just make this stuff up when I say this stuff. Um what have you dealt with? How often do you deal with like women? You meet in women, and then off the bat, they start asking. Oh, most eight out of ten women. Eight out of ten. Yeah, I've dated a lot. Eight out of ten women typically ask me for certain things, um, and it's always monetary type stuff. And you know, I, I understand. You know, they want men to be able to basically provide this lifestyle for them that they don't really want to work hard for it. And there's a lot of women that's like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, so I always say, shout out to the women that get out and do what they're supposed to do. You know, for themselves and you know, build their own relationships and build their own companies. But in today's world, and you see on like the Instagram, I don't even know Instagram model slash influencers. Um, you know, a lot of women that you run into like that. And I honestly don't even get along. When I say I don't get along, like, I don't really date women that are Instagram models, influencers, like the super, super beautiful women that you see where you look on their Instagram and they like on eight different private jets, mm-hmm. $70,000 APs. 40, 45,000 likes. Yeah, 45,000 <laughs> likes. Like, I was just on this girl page the other day and I was looking to see like what she would, what she do for a living. She got like half a million followers. Mm-hmm. And she was talking about this watch she brought. I know the watch that she just brought. It's a um, skeleton AP. Like one of my homeboys had it, the exact same one. And mm-hmm. that's a $400,000 watch. $400,000? 400000 watch. And literally in her comments, she was like, I like this watch so much. She said, I like this watch so much that I went out and brought it for myself. 
And then I look, I said, you work. No, no, no. I said, I said, you don't even do anything for a living. You literally <laughs> looked at her page. I said, you literally train people at the gym. You don't own the gym. You just train people at the gym. <laughs> and you literally just take pictures of yourself half naked. Like not no OnlyFans, no nothing. Mm-hmm. Private jets, the whole nine. I'm like, how could you go out and purchase a four? I know for sure a four hundred thousand dollar watch. And in my mind, I'm like, you know, it have to be other men that providing this lifestyle for you. And I hate that because that means that you're taking away something else that somebody else did for you mm-hmm. as of working really hard to be able to provide that for you. Because, you know what I'm saying? You get like a lot of women that literally be like, oh, I did all like, you know, they end up getting a company that's doing very well. But some mm-hmm. guy really fronted them the money. And then mm-hmm. they'd be like, oh, I did this by myself. And I'm like, well, no, you didn't. The guy gave you the money. And literally did everything for you. Now that it's doing well, now you a self-made woman. Mm. And, you know, I, I kind of stick away from Instagram models. I stick away from women like that because when you look at their Instagrams, they expect a certain type of lifestyle. And I can provide that lifestyle for you, but essentially I'm not going to provide that lifestyle for you because I typically don't care about stuff like that. Like I've been on a private jet like 12 or 13 times. I don't want to fly on a private jet no more, A, because it just costs way too much. B, I like flying commercial. Um, like, I fly first class everywhere. I personally just like flying commercial. Mm-hmm. It's nothing weird about <laughs> it. Like, I, I just like flying commercial. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a little contradicting, Gooch, because you have Lambos. I do. You have a really nice house. Yes. Um, what, what lifestyle you don't? You don't want so when i and like it's, it's, <laughs> it's nothing against it but when i see those women and they have one like i said 70 80 000 watches rolexes you know chanel bag shoes mm. dressed all yeah i don't wear none of that stuff that stuff don't matter to you it don't so it's hard for me to purchase something that really don't matter to me gotcha. and then i've met women that literally sit here and be like well just because it don't matter to mm. you then you should give you know your wife or your girl whatever she wants because she's into it uh-huh well, essentially, I'm probably not going to end up with somebody that care about things or value things that I don't care about. So most of those like Instagram model girls or, or you know, women that are really into clothes and stuff like that, you know, I don't care about it. So it's hard for it's even hard for them to like me, honestly, because I, I wear basketball shorts and T-shirts, like mm. anime T-shirts and stuff around the house. And when I go out, like I don't dress nothing like that. Mm. I don't have really any designer. Like, I got like two or three pair of designer shoes, a couple of designer shirts that I've had for years. So a lot of those women, like they want their mate to dress a certain way, to look a certain way. And I just don't dress that way. Mm-hmm. So even from the start, it's like we don't get like I don't have no real watches. Um, when I say real, I mean, I have real watches, but like I don't I don't have like any Rolexes. Mm-hmm. I don't really have any jewelry, mm-hmm. all the stuff like I don't wear all them. I don't really care about it. So because of that, like I don't really even get along with those because people these days like, you know, they're all for the, a lot of people are all for the looks. And I don't really portray that. So typically, most time, if you don't know me or if you don't see me getting out one of my cars, you don't know that I have money. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't know that I'm a multi-millionaire. Do you do that on purpose? Or just you just don't. No, I like, do, like, like my mom and dad. Like my dad was in the cars. Yeah. So that's why I own three Lamborghinis right now. That's why like I own like the big truck and I got like you know I got seven cars all together. Mm-hmm. So I own. I'm in the cars because I grew up in that fast. So even back when I was younger, my dad he had a Camaro SS Camaro. Um, and I'm like, I'm seven years old. He had um, two 12s in it, um, mm. T-top. I mm. grew up in that. So that's why I have the cars that I have and stuff now because I'm into it. But it's, it's kind of like a, 
it's a give and take. Like, I don't really care about the clothes and the jewelry and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But what I do is, like, I'm a snowboarder. So last year, I went on 16 trips snowboarding mm-hmm. um, last year around the world. That's fun. Yeah, like, so I do things like that. Like, um, I used to coach tennis, but I play tennis pretty much almost every weekend. Um, you know, whenever I'm not busy doing other stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, I ride four-wheelers and dirt bikes. Mm-hmm. So that's something that I do. Like, I camp. You know, I got to – you ever seen my big side-by-side, the off-roading vehicle that mm-hmm. I got that climb up mountains? Mm-hmm. So I do stuff like that with my friends. Um, even like this, so, you know, I even – this was something else that I have at the house that I do. Oh, like, I ride motorcycles. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So you'll catch me, like, on my bike doing stuff like that, like, all the time. You ride four-wheelers and shit, too. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, I ride four-wheelers and stuff, too. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> I'm more built on – and then I'm a skydiver. Like, I'm a certified skydiver. So Certified. So, I mean, I jump by myself. You got too much money, too much time in your hand. Hey, look, I don't skydive as much as I used to. Yeah. But so the thing is, I'm more built around the experiences right. of, you know, of doing stuff versus just looking like I have money and stuff like that. So, and I look at a lot of people and, you know, it's nothing against them. I don't mean anything to it, but a lot of people that I see that dress a certain way and be at the clubs and doing all this stuff, when I really look into their lives and like who they are as a person, mm-hmm. Then I look at the girl and I'll be like, this is the guy that you want to have kids with. Like, he just looks like he dresses nice, but he don't have anything like substance wise behind mm-hmm. it. And he might know how to make money and he might actually be rich. I'm not even saying that they're not rich, but it's it's like a give and take because just like this, you've been in my house before. All the chandeliers in my house, I put up myself. You know what I'm saying? Two of them I actually need help putting up. But, mm-hmm. like, I have videos of me putting up the chandeliers like I have a garden. Like, I planted my garden myself. I have a 14-foot tree in my house that I keep alive. So, it's things like this that, honestly, in today's world, a lot of men don't know how to do. Like, you mm-hmm. know, people make the joke, men don't know how to change a tire. Mm-hmm. In today's world, a lot of men don't know how to change a tire. Like, a lot of men don't know how to work on cars. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm damn near like an electrician. Mm-hmm. You know, these are things that I've picked up that I've learned and I wanted to do. When I was younger, I jumped on YouTube and I learned different things because in today's world, everybody know how to just, you know, pick up a phone and call somebody and pay somebody. But, mm. you know, when I look at it, it's like, what can you teach me? Do you think a man is a real man if he can't do manly things like cut grass, hang up chandeliers, use a toolbox, change a tire, change oil, um, use their hands? I'm not going to say that you know, because in, in different cultures, you know, you have men that like don't do anything at all and they're still considered real men um i just look at being a man is more about to me being able to teach other people how to do things that they essentially want to learn on their own to me that's really what being a man is because when i'm talking i'm talking about like kid wise yeah you know being a man is being able to teach kids of how to be good people um, a lot of people have different things about what being a man really is. Some people say, like, you know, being able to change a tire is being manly. But let's say you grew up in New York and you never drove a car because you didn't you didn't need to drive a car. Mm. Does that mean that you're not a man? Gotcha. You know, no. But I think there are some basic principles about being a man, you know, of being like, you know, kind to others. And that's something that people don't even teach these days no more. Mm. Everybody, like you see it. In traffic, everybody hitting the horn. Everybody's just so antsy. Everybody mm-hmm. think that they own the world. And it's just not like that anymore. Hmm. You know, like, like it's, it's just not, people don't be kind. People aren't nice anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't know where it starts. And I think social media is playing a big part in this. I think it's a lot, bro. Honestly, um, I seen this thing the other day. Maybe it was yesterday. Um, <clears throat> it said, uh, you're not crazy. You just have 
tapeworms. <laughs> and what he meant by that is like you you eating so much bullshit foods and like your body start producing these worms and your worms when you're hungry these worms start to get agitated it makes you agitated and now mm-hmm. you just mad at the world because you got these worms in your body but um <clears throat> i don't know like I'm, i live on being kind to people like being a stand-up guy having integrity you know what i'm saying being a protector you know, that's like the core values for real like it ain't really gotta be nothing about your hands because I'm a I, I work smart. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like I will do some shit, but if I ain't got to, I'm gonna pay for it. I got the bread. That's what I'm saying. Like you got money. Well, it, uh, I actually I enjoy doing stuff. Got you. Yeah, so, it's it's kind of meditating to me. And got it, you. And then a lot of stuff. Um, I still do a lot of stuff myself, but just people don't even understand how to do certain things. Mm-hmm. So it comes down to be like this. If if I let's just say like putting up a light in here. <clears throat> if I come in here and say, hey, we're gonna have to do X, Y, and Z, run <clears throat> run this line from over here, do all this, it's gonna be five hundred or thousand dollars. You can't tell me nothing different because right. you don't know. Because I don't know shit. Like you don't understand it. So me understanding how to take out that light switch and how to change it, to me, that makes it where I can apply that to a lot of different things in a lot of different situations. Mm-hmm. Understanding like the flow of things and understanding you know how to take things apart and put things back together have gotten me very far in life and when a lot of things happen so even one time at my house so funny super early in the morning um i go to go take a shower and i turn and turn the water and it literally comes off so you know like i literally Mm. turn it it comes off and water shoots out probably about seven feet just Mm. coming straight out most people wouldn't know what to do in that situation i'm butt naked and literally, um, and I'm literally butt naked and I yell into my room. I tell this girl, I'm like, I'm yelling at her, like, come here. I'm yelling to my mom. So she jumps up. She runs inside the room, um, runs inside the bathroom. And I'm here naked. I'm holding my hand. I'm like, hold your hand right here. Grab a towel. And she grabs a towel. She hold her hand right there. I take off running downstairs to my utility closet. And if you ever been to my utility closet, I have like so many pipes and stuff running. And all I do is just cut the water off to the house. Mm-hmm. And then at that point, um, you know, the water stopped rushing out. I clean all that up. Um, I end up taking apart the I end up taking apart the whole switch and everything. And then I re-put it back together. And to this day, haven't had no problem out of it. Like I said, but I had to go, I had to go get like a new ball bearing, had to go get like this other like little rubber ring, had mm-hmm. to change all this out, put it back together. Never had to call somebody. But in that one moment, if I did not know how to handle that situation, then my whole how you know, my whole bedroom could have flooded, it could have yeah. been a whole big situation. Most people don't even know how to cut the water off to their house. Mm-hmm. So even like let's say right here, right now, if something was to flood, do you know how to cut the water off in here? No. <laughs> yeah. Nah, bro. I'm gonna call the fire. But but, fire. That's, but but then you're gonna lose a lot of stuff that you. I am. You know what I'm saying. So even like a fire in my house, I got fire extinguishers all over my house. Um, I plan for everything. So mm. I got I got a go bag by my door. You probably never seen it, but it's a bag. If I have to leave my house within like mm. three or four seconds. Like literally, something happened. I gotta leave immediately. I got a bag that I could grab and never have to come back to my house again. What's in it? Um, it got food. Um, it keep like different ways of how like to clean water. It got tent. It got um, how it got like knives and stuff. Um, it got different ways that um, I can hunt for food. It has batteries. It have like a little crank to where I can like create electricity. Um, it has money. It has one of my credit cards. It have an extra wallet. Um, yeah, so it got like a lot of stuff in it. How yeah. big is this bag? Um, it's like a regular book bag. It's like pretty big. With a tent. Yeah, it got, like, so it's like a shape of tent. So it's uh-huh. one that like, I will hang like on the string. Because one of the things, like if you're ever in the wild and stuff, you have to have shelter. That's like one of the number one things you have to have. Yeah. Like people think it's what the number one thing is shelter. 
that you have to have. Not food. No, you got to build shelter first. Mm-hmm. Especially like if you're in like a cold environment, if it's raining and stuff like that, you got to have shelter. Food is still up there, but yeah, shelter, if I was like, if something was to happen, shelter would be the first thing that I would go find. Never thought about that. I'll be looking for food, my dumb ass. <laughs> I mean, you do that too, but, but even like, if you ever ride in my truck, like um, I got a paramedic back inside my truck. Um, you just prepared. Yeah, I mean, I got oxygen, I got defibrillator. Like, I basically restart your heart if I need to inside of my, and I keep, and mostly when I trade vehicles, like, you know, I guess inside the Lamborghini truck right now in the back. And I've had to use that bag multiple times. You know what? <clears throat> I don't think a lot of people need to hear that, though, because that is that's, that's vital. Because we're not thinking of, you know, what could happen, you know, like the possibilities. I mean, we're just going through life. And we sometimes we're just not prepared for certain things that yeah. might occur. And that goes into, like, even, like, training. Like, you know, like, I, I I told you, like, you know, I shoot a lot. I shoot, like, four times a week. All right. If you look at, if you look at Gooch, like, <laughs> Gooch don't look like... <laughs> He, he just like, he probably play games all day. But yeah. no, this motherfucker got guns. He be shooting. Continue. <laughs> no, but the reason is, because the world we live in today is just, you just don't know mm-hmm. what can happen. And a lot of people in a lot of different situations, they don't know how to handle the situation to get out of it safely. And we have mass shootings. Mm-hmm. You know, you might just be somebody, be somewhere just like life just got shot up. Yeah. You know, people don't understand situations like that. And when life got shot up, you know, you ever heard of a guy called Huncho? Mm-hmm. Like I personally never met him before, but to my understanding, he wasn't the shooter. Mm-hmm. But one of the things he did wrong was he pulled his weapon and people seen him with a weapon. And, you know, some people was like, oh, he has a weapon. Like we didn't see him shoot it. So to like my knowledge, he actually didn't do the shit, have nothing to do with it. Mm-hmm. But they seen him pull a weapon at a crime scene where shooting just happened. Mm-hmm. And to my knowledge, like he's in jail having to fight that right mm-hmm. now. So it's something simple like that. It's different things like that. Like, I would never pull my weapon in that situation. If there's a shooting going on, the last thing you want to see is me just pull my weapon. Um, one of the reasons is because I don't even know who's the shooter. I don't know who they're shooting at. And it's easier for me to get away from that situation with my weapon on my hip versus having it in my hand. Mm-hmm. And it might be a situation where I pull my weapon and then somebody else see me with my weapon and think that I'm the active shooter mm-hmm. and I end up getting shot by a police officer mm-hmm. or getting shot by somebody who's trying to, you know, save the world. Mm-hmm. So it, it, I train for stuff like that. I train in close quarters comeback. Um, I train in how to pull my weapon and when I should and shouldn't pull my weapon. So if somebody's coming towards me with a weapon, what depending on how they're walking, how fast, if they got their weapon like pointing at me and stuff, I know I can pull my weapon fast and probably put shots down the range. Um, before they get to me because I do like a lot of outdoor shooting. I train. Mm-hmm. I train on like how to clear houses. So, you know, <clears throat> how to come inside here by myself and safely clear this whole place. Mm-hmm. Um, but one thing about clearing places is you never want to be by yourself. But in some situations, especially like, you know, my house, it's a very large, well, it's a mansion. Mm-hmm. If I hear something upstairs, you know, and I have to go up those stairs to clear those rooms because, you know, like, it might be a child up there because, you know, I have people to stay at my house all the time. It could be anything. And I have to come out my room, you know, then I know how to clear my house safely without shooting somebody. <laughs> if you was downstairs and you heard something upstairs, do you go grab your gun and then now you start like. <laughs> depending, on, depending on the noise, but I mean, I, and then more than like, I mean, I sleep with like a salt rifle next to me. Um, and I sleep with a handgun next to me, so you know I wouldn't be like like. This. But yeah, yeah essentially, um, if I heard something upstairs, um, depending on the situation, no, I mm-hmm. wouldn't. The reason why is because 
if I hear something in my house super late at night, mm -hmm. um, I got so many cameras in my house that I'm going to first thing I'm going to do is um, I'm going to locate my firearm. And then I already know my door is locked to my room and stuff like that. And then I'm going to pull up the cameras immediately to see if there's any anything going on. Now, let's just say for some odd reason, my camera system isn't working. Then my next thing is going to be, is anybody at my house? As of like, did I have a friend stay over? Mm -hmm. um, is there a kid upstairs? Do I hear any other noises? So it's a lot that go into, I'm just not going to grab my gun and come out my room because my room is my safe spot. Mm -hmm. I know for sure that nobody's in my room. So for me to leave my room, it has to be a reason. If I know, if I hear some knuckleheads like in my kitchen rumbling around, I'm not coming out my room. For what? Because I don't know how many people is out there. You know, it could be four guys with mm. guns. And just because I know how to shoot better than them don't mean, and I got the uh, element of surprise, don't mean that I still might get shot in gunfire. Got you. So, you know, a lot of things play into if I Now, if I have to leave my room, uh -huh. then, yeah, like I'm going to do it in the safest way possible. Like, you know, certain ways you clear doors and you go out and like, you know, I got flashlights on my guns and different things like that. That's that's and the then my smartest systems on. That's smart. So it, it's a lot of stuff that go into it. I think the average guy. <laughs> they leaving that room. They they want to go find some action. Like, who the hell in here? You know I mean? no. The smart thing to do is to stay my ass right here. Look, y'all can take whatever y'all want to. Yeah. My the minute you try to get in this door. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, and then in that point, yeah, like I said, or mm -hmm. like I said, if you have kids or a wife and your wife is not in your room and you hear noises, then you're like, all right, now I have to go out. Mm -hmm. And then at that point, then that's when all your training and stuff have to kick in. Did you go to the army? No. My brother did. So how long have you been in the guns? Um, my dad was in the guns yeah. years and years ago. So it kind of started off as, it's still a hobby. Um, so to me now shooting is a hobby. Um, mm -hmm. I really love doing it. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, it's used for protection. And then I train other people like on like basic shooting items. So, you know, I take like a lot of girls to the shooting range, a lot of guys to the shooting range that think they know how to shoot. Mm -hmm. And then I teach them that you don't know what you're doing. You ever shot someone? No, I never want to. Like, you know, our friend Ty shot somebody. <laughs> you know about that, right? Wolf Builder Ty. Did he tell me that? Yeah, remember you tell everybody. Yeah, he shot somebody, boy. I got a couple friends that shot somebody outside of like army and military and police. Uh -huh. Yeah, I got friends, but I, that's one of the biggest things is <clears throat> being able to being able to produce that type of harm and harm people that type of way and not doing it is like it's, it's like one of the biggest things to me. Like mm -hmm. I know that. I can cause a lot of harm, but that doesn't mean that I want to in any situation. Yeah. Like, I try not to in any situation. <clears throat> can you fight? Yeah, I fight. Do you train on that too? Uh, I used to, but oh. I train more on like close quarters combat as of like if me and you are like, if I'm walking down the hall and you're coming towards me and we're coming down like this hall right here mm. and you know, you bump into me and try to like take my gun. You know what I'm saying? Different things like that. Like mm. I know how to protect myself in a way where like fighting and close quarters combat, they're kind of intermingled, but they're still a different. So let's say you've heard of Navy SEAL, right? Mm -hmm. I asked so one of my friends, he's a Navy SEAL. So when I asked him, um, I'm like, bro, do you know how to fight like really, really well? This is like when I started kind of getting into like learning, like how to fight in close quarters combat and stuff like that. And he was like, he said, I mean, you know, I know how to do what I need to do to get myself out of the situation alive. I'm like, so I mean, like, let's say somebody like Mayweather, like, could you just beat Mayweather ass? He was like, no, nah, Mayweather probably knocked me out clean. Um, in like, if I'm in the ring, but he was like, if we was in the street, like I would kill him. I'm like, well, why would you? He was like, cause I'm trained to, you know, to do a massive amount of harm in any way possible, using anything possible. 
So with that, like, you know, with what I do now and the way that I train now, it's like I'm just trying to do as much harm to you as I can. And I'm not really trying to fight you. Like I'm trying like to gouge out your eye. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, but it would take every like I'm going to do everything I can before I have to get to that point. You know what I'm saying? What, what training he do? I need to go get that training. <laughs> no, he's a he's a he's an ex Navy Seal. Oh, ex Navy Seal. Yeah, yeah. So I trained with him a lot. Mm-hmm. And the first time we trained, what he did was um, <clears throat> we was doing a situation where um, he told me he was like, "Hey, I want you to be able to pull your weapon and fire around." So I said, "Okay." So what we do is we're walking towards each other. And what he do is he said, and then I'm going to say something, do something. I want you to get your weapon out the holster and put a round in me. So I said, okay, cool. So I'm walking down the hall. He walking down. And then, you know, he bumped into me. And then we say a couple words and I go to draw my weapon. He literally grabs my hands and my holster and my weapon. And he picks me up off the ground and just body slammed me on my shoulder. I'm from my full <laughs> force just. Boom. And like we couldn't we couldn't even go no far. Like he, the way he grabbed me, like he literally grabbed my holster, my hands, but like put his legs behind me. And cause in my I'm trying to grab my gun. Yeah. And like he literally like just grabs it, picks me up, and just slams me down. And at that point, he just put a knee like into like my chest and just held my throat down. And it was just it was like really bad. But at that point, I, I understood at that point. I said, you know what? I'm not this violent of a person, at least not yet. Yeah. Because when he, when he turned it on, it was like, it was so swift and he created like so much of a disadvantage for me that I was like, yo, like this is crazy. And I never want to be in this situation again. That's then I started mean. training more. That's I mean, but, uh-huh. but not my, don't get it twisted. Like if it's like, <clears throat> like some big guy like come up and he like just punches me in the head like I'm out like mm-hmm. if we just if we square up like I'm going to probably like lose mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying in like a squared up fight but 9 out of 10 I'm going to make sure like I'm just not squared up with somebody ever at that point so that's why like, I keep a knife on me I, I keep mace on me like 90% of the time like even without my gun is my last option <laughs> because I know that when I pull it like mm-hmm. I'm going to like I know how to use it yeah, yeah I mean and I know how to use it very well mm-hmm. So, you know, that's always the last. I'm going to do everything. And then I'm going to try to de-escalate. See, like, I've been in situations where people have bumped into me and called me a fuck nigga and all that. And I literally just let it go. I'm like, all right. Like, I don't give a fuck about what you got to say to me. Because I, I know what I can do. If you if you was walking, you was out with your girl. Mm-hmm. Someone disrespected her, tried to grab her, maybe smacked on her ass. What would you do? <clears throat> so, one of the biggest things that I, I am with this is. Depending on exactly, like, give me a situation, like, what exactly what did he do? You gave me three different things. Okay. Like, what did he do? Like, he said so, something to her, then <clears throat> if, if I'm walking and a dude, like, comes and says something to her, then at that point, I expect for her to take care of that situation. Okay, let's, let's say, for example, let's just say you was, she was walking back towards you. Mm-hmm. Some guy tried to holler at her. Oh, she's like, uh, brush him off. Mm-hmm. You're like, man, fuck you, bitch, or some shit, woo-woo. And they get to arguing, and I don't know. They're, they're in the midst of arguing. Mm-hmm. He's, he's calling out her name, and you just you you over across the room. Yeah, and then you walk over there, of course. And yeah, then I'm gonna walk over there. Try to I'm de-escalate. And that's the first thing I'm gonna do. I'm try to de-escalate the situation. Keep going. <laughs> so so my thing is so when I say I try to de-escalate the situation, being where I am, seeing what have happened and what can happen, like I'm not like a really proudful person. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I see this and I'm a proud person, like somebody could call me out my name and I really won't like it won't it won't register to me as being like, 
oh, I got to like display yeah. this type of. Mm -hmm. The reason is because I know what I can do. And I know I never want to turn it on unless my life is in danger mm -hmm. because like I've been to court before. I've had to fight for my life in court and stuff before. Mm -hmm. So dealing with doing that and like shit, we both know, like the last thing I want to do is be sitting in front of <clears throat> a judge or a panel of my peers trying to convince them mm -hmm. that I'm this good guy, that it went this way. And it's every time I've been, I've been in jail like 20 times <laughs> when I was younger. Yeah. When I was younger, I was an asshole. <clears throat> And I got locked up for everything. But being in jail, I've always in jail with people who regret everything they've done and wish that they did something a certain type of way. So mm -hmm. if some guy is aggressively getting at my girl and she don't want to get at him, then at this point, it's like, bro, let's just turn and walk away. He can say whatever you want. Mm -hmm. Fuck, nigga. I'll take your bitch all this. And in my mind, I'm like, all right, you can say all that. But as long as you don't put your hands on us or do something like this where it gives me the OK to but basically bury you, mm -hmm. then I'm a-okay. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? But mm -hmm. just talking wise, like I'm just not that. And then some people would say and be like, oh, you a fuck, you a bitch ass nigga. All right, well, how about you come over here and you do something to where it's me against you um, in either close combat, close quarters combat or a gunfight, and I'll show you the bitch ass nigga. Anybody anybody says close Close combat, whatever the fuck you just said. Close quarter combat. They whooping your ass. <laughs> Anybody that, that that don't say, hey, uh, you you pull up and just nah. No, I mean, but that's my thing. Like, so let's think about because I and like I said, I'm not a very proudful person. And I right. expect my girl to be able to de-escalate a lot of situations herself. Yeah, yeah. And I want I don't even really get in those situations. Like I said, I've been in situations where like things have just gotten to the point where like words have been exchanged and I will exchange words with a person, but a lot of times I catch myself after like I say something. So, like, let's say, like, we get into it real quick and I might say something, you know, call you out your name, say something like that. Instantly, I almost I catch myself mm -hmm. and I'd be like, hold up, let me just like, I need to chill mm -hmm. because now and the last thing is once you start training a lot, you never want to make a decision where you're where you're not yourself. Mm -hmm. So I never want to have to pull my weapon. I never want to get into a fight and I'm not myself mm -hmm. like I'm angry. Mm -hmm. So I always try to calm myself down. Now, if you keep aggressively coming at me, then at this right, point right. now I have to. But it's, I'm always <laughs> going to calculate everything that I'm doing. So, you know, when I say calculate everything I'm doing. So if I'm angry and mad, I will pull my weapon. I might shoot you. But if you're aggressively doing something to me, what I might do is and we're like fighting and stuff. I might end up accident, accidentally showing my weapon mm -hmm. and then you grab for it. And then I can do what I've been wanting to do to you. <laughs> so I'm saying, but that, that's certain things that mm -hmm. you're like, you know, when mm -hmm. you train so much that you're able to do and stuff like that. It's all about, you know, saying like what happens in that moment. But if I'm mad, I'm not thinking about it. All I'm trying to right. do is just right. hurt you. This is all about emotional intelligence. Yeah. Um, and I'm a very chill guy. Like, yeah, me too, bro. And like, I try to. I got too much to lose. I think I think the people that that do react off of emotion, um, they they don't have much to lose or they don't care much because I would think like think shit is gonna flash in my head. You know what? I don't want to risk my life for going to beat this man up or shooting this man. He ain't touching me or nothing. Some people just I right, so for example, right? This weekend I went to the club with like uh, a couple people, and um, as we're getting in the black truck, it was like literally like 10 young niggas they had to been like 18 19 20 those 21 i'm afraid of those people man that's what i'm afraid they ain't got of. nothing to lose yeah they have nothing to lose they so, may, may be 15 you don't know yeah. young kids and they all got guns yes so listen right so we walk i, I walk past and they, they standing right here and i gotta walk right here to the black truck so i'm letting everybody in the truck and then 
I got a big booty girl behind me. I'm about to get in, but I was like, <laughs> big booty girl. They they saying they they they, they chatting like, damn, shout out got a bad ass. Woo, woo, woo. You know what I'm saying? So I said, no, nah, let me get her. Let me get her in the car first. So that she get in the car, she was like, hey, you dropped something. And she was like, what? He's like, hey, you dropped your uh something. I was like, man, get in the car, man. And I looked at them. I looked at them niggas. I was like, I was like, bro, chill. I said, yeah, that's, that's, yeah. I smacked her in the ass. I was like, uh, and I smacked her on the ass, and they all just laughed and kind of, yeah. you know what I'm saying? But any other nigga would have been like, damn, bro, boo, boo. And then it would have been, shh, it would it would have escalated really, really quick. So you got to really, one, can't be prideful. Yeah. And you got to prove yourself in front of these women. You just got to learn how to handle the situation correctly. Yeah, because you could have, you and you know, I tell you this all, I tell you this sometimes too. Um, it's been a situation that I've de-escalated where I'm either made a joke or something funny that could have... Because think about it, if it's me and my girl and we're walking, and I've had this, yeah. it's me and my girl walking, and you know, the worst thing is, is a group of niggas. Group of niggas. A group of niggas. <laughs> and I, I mean niggas. Like, yeah, niggas. You know, a group of niggas. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, a lot of times, like, I'm with, I'm be with, like, very pretty women. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, they always, especially like a group of two, three, four, five niggas, you know, yeah. and you with a pretty girl, they feel like I can say anything because mm-hmm. I'm with my homeboys and what are you going to do about it? Yeah. So they put us in like sometimes very awkward situations. Yeah. Um, you know, so just walking in and it's been situations like I've been and it's a group of niggas and like they say something and like my girl or, you know, so any girl I'm with or anything like, you know, they will sometimes like snap back and say some crazy shit and then the niggas be like, yep. And you be like, yo, come the fuck on. <laughs> and this is my biggest thing. And yeah. look, I, like one, one time um, I was with one of my homegirls and she liked the name drop. Like she done fuck like real talk. She could probably put together her own fucking football team. Like literally 52. Like and win the Super Bowl with all, <laughs> all the athletes she done fuck. Win the Super Bowl. Yeah, but and she, she's just Shout a friend. Shout out to Tom Brady. <laughs> no, look, like, but she, she's just a friend of mine. So we're out at a bar. It's in Atlanta. We're at Dugan's. I'm sitting in right here. She's sitting right here. It's some other dudes. I forgot. It was like a championship game. And she knew it was when the Falcons was um in the Super Bowl years mm-hmm. ago. 2017. And, yeah. And then so she's yelling at the screen. Um, about one of the dudes. So these dudes over here, a bad play happened. They're sitting here yelling like, yeah, you know, I don't know this. And she like, she literally leans over me and like, shut the fuck up. You don't know who know who. But that's how she, she name dropped like mm. everywhere because she always name dropped. This is just like one of my homegirls. Mm. But she name dropped like, if she's around girls, she always name drops. So she, you don't know who fucking know who. Ah, shut the fuck up. So I literally, I look over. It's literally like five of these niggas, and three of them are like over two fifty and like six five. And he's uh, in my mind. I literally said, I said, you know what? <laughs> okay. I said, if these niggas decide to goddamn act crazy, I'm like, shit. <laughs> hey, look, you gotta take care of this by goddamn self, because this is not gonna end well. So, so, so she yelling at him, and I'm, I'm literally just sitting here like. Nah, I don't know this one. <laughs> right? Damn right. right. You better yeah. shut the fuck up talking. So, but in my mind, I'm just like, because I'm like, you're putting me in a very awkward situation. Mm-hmm. So I'm at a bar. I'm, so I mean, I don't have like none of my gear. I don't have like my pistol on me. Like they check me, all this is gone. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, it's me and it's five of you guys. And three of you, I know for sure, are over <laughs> six feet and over 250, 300. And it's you, which you're not going to do nothing. nothing. So it's going to have to come down to me. So at this point, I'm like trying to, I'm like telling her like, yo, shut the fuck up. Like, mm-hmm. yo, chill. Like, you don't, and I'm having to like curse her out because I'm like, nah. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, 
Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Because the thing she was saying to them was disrespectful. You don't know them. This is a We're in a bar at a game. You can tell them that they can't be happy that they team did. Right, so I'm right. like, you're in the wrong Yes, I have your back as of if something was to happen, then I'm going to try to do my best to get you out of the situation mm -hmm. and stop them and then take care of whatever this situation is going to be. But the number one thing I'm trying to do right now is trying to de-escalate because mm -hmm. a lot of people like you see me like I'm five, eight, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, I'm in pretty decent shape, but most people wouldn't expect for me to be able to cause the type of violence that I'm able to cause. Especially looking at the glasses. They, they, especially looking at glasses. Especially nigga with the glasses so, on ain't doing shit. You know, a lot of women, they, they like to feel protected mm -hmm. by their significant other. Mm -hmm. And any girl that ever goes shooting with me, they know that I'm very deadly. Um, and they feel very protected because of like, they, you come to my house, you see all my gear. Mm -hmm. Like you see some of the videos of some of the things that I've done and some of the things that I can do, um, you know, at that point. But my number one thing in any situation is to never have to get to the point where I have to lay hands on somebody or I have to shoot somebody, de-escalate, de-escalate, de-escalate mm -hmm. is my number one thing. And that's just not me being a bitch. That's not me, you know, oh, he can't be a protector. Like I said, if you ever see me shoot, you know that I can do. Or if you ever see me fight or in close combat or anything like that, you know, like, you know, you know that I know what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. So you want to feel very protected, but that don't mean that I want to <coughs> do any of that stuff ever because I don't ever want to do it. But I train three or four times a week to do it, if I have to. It's more of a hobby, mm -hmm. just a deadly hobby. <laughs> All right, let's switch. Let's switch lanes real quick. Um, would you consider yourself a loner? Um, yes and no. I spend a lot of time on the day to day alone, but I love being around my friends. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I guess what they say, like, um, like I love being around people I care about. I love being around women that I care about. Um, you know, so I'm not so much alone. I, I like being around people, but on the day, because I move around so much, I own so many different companies. Mm -hmm. Um, cause you know, you know, I own the cheese shop in Lenox, you know, I own the club tiger, tiger. Um, I own the non-emergency ambulance company. Then I have my mentorship and I literally just had a meeting today. I'm building a coffee shop, mm -hmm. um, on 14th street. Um, as we currently, like it's a brand new, it's a brand new coffee shop. So the um, it's a franchise called Foxtail. The owner of Foxtail actually flew in here to come see the space and stuff. He um he, he has it's fifty three of them in all, two in Georgia, and all the other fifty one are in Florida. Hmm. So this is gonna be the third one actually in Georgia. So he flew, him and his team flew in and stuff. So a lot of my day to day, like I'm alone. Yeah. But I like being around my friends hmm. and even being around women. You keep mentioning that. Yeah, I like, I like being around women. Yeah, I like having fun. <laughs> no, I mean, I asked you that because, you know, we had this that conversation on live. It was talking about mental health mm -hmm. and depression and stuff like that. And you, you was mentioning, I just figured you was alone. I know you have a lot of friends. But, yeah. like, with me, I'm a popular loner. loner. Yeah. You know, I love people. But then again, I love being by myself as well. Like, I, I love 
let's just say I love being by myself 55% and then I love people the other 45%. Mm-hmm. But um <clears throat> you were you were staying on as we were talking like, you know, like you know the money that you accumulated over the years that you that you have like it it doesn't make you happy. No. You know, um I just want to, you know, talk briefly about that like cuz some people feel like, you know, whatever situation they're in, get money is going to fix it. It's going it's going to fix the situation and it is not just about physical things or tangible things. It's like the way they feel, you know, like inside, mentally, spiritually. So I don't even know what question to ask you. Um, I'm going to say this. Are you depressed? I be depressed a lot. Why? Um, Some of the reason I'm depressed is because I have. So like I'm a multimillionaire. Like mm-hmm. legit, I own I own a lot of companies. I do a lot of things, um, and I'm not materialistic, but I think that material things are going to fist are going to. I feel like materialistic things make me happier, but they only make me happier in the moment. Mm-hmm. So, and I'm starting to understand that more. So, like every time, like I said, I got three Lamborghinis. Every time I buy a new Lamborghini, I've had multiple before. But every time I buy a new Lamborghini, like you know, I am happy in that moment. Um, but after I get done buying it, then it's like, okay, I need to buy something else mm-hmm. to make me feel that feeling, to feel that empty void. Mm-hmm. And now I understand that it is like life to me is more than just having all this stuff, mm-hmm. making all this money, like looking at my bank account and seeing like all those zeros behind all the money that that you know I've earned, mm-hmm. that I've worked very hard for. So, and I think that's a lot of people's problem. A lot of people's problem is, you know, I think that we are taught to we are taught that somebody else's dream is going to make us happy mm. instead of doing what really actually make us happy. Mm. You know, so when I say that, when we're younger, our parents taught us, and I think like we're probably the last generation to happen, but our parents taught us to be happy. You need to get married. You need to have kids. You need to have a white picket fence, a dog, and what is it, like a red door? Mm. <laughs> you know, and go to school, go to college, graduate, get a nine to five job, get a 401k. Like that to our parents, that was what, what happiness was. And that was instilled into us. Mm-hmm. But in, in our world, we don't have to do it anymore. You got YouTubers that are making millions of dollars off of just being funny. Mm-hmm. You know, in the world we live in today, it, that's just not the truth anymore. But still yet, in fact, I think that our friends, the culture that we have tell us the more money that we make, the happier that we're going to be. And I'm just one of those people. And I think a lot of people are depressed. I think a lot of people feel this type of way, but they just never say it. And, you know, I've talked on like a lot of different podcasts. I've talked on like a lot of different stages. And I just tell people who I am. I don't mm. try to hide it. Um, a lot of people that will sit right here where I'm sitting and they own the type of companies that I have and they do the type of things that I have. Um, they try to make themselves seem like they're bigger than life, like they're perfect. Mm. I'm nowhere close to perfect. You know, I got a lot of DVCs, you know, I do a lot of things even still to this day that sometimes I even look back at it and be like, Ugh, I can't believe I did that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, um, but one of the things that that I can say is um, a lot of people, and I got friends that think they'll probably think this shit don't stink. Um, I know a lot of girls that's like that, too. Have you ever talked to a girl that literally um, or even a guy who dated somebody for years and they broke up and you've been like, well, what did you do wrong in this situation? And they sit here and be like, nothing. Mm-hmm. And then you really be like, no, nah, you had to do something. Like something. You did one. Tell me one mm-hmm. thing. And they'd be like, I did nothing wrong. Mm-hmm. It was all the other person. 
you know, when I hear stuff like that, I'm like, you're fucking delusional. Right. Like, like, like you have a, yeah, you need help mm-hmm. because in any situation, you know, we, we have a hard time putting the blame on us. We have a hard time seeing that, you know, we're human. Like we have stuff wrong with us. And I look at people that think that they shit don't stick. I'm like, if you're perfect, how can you become a better person? How can you be better if you are already perfect? So I always look at myself and I look at a lot of things that I do and I'll be like, how could I have done better? Like, what can I have done better? How can I grow as a person? Mm-hmm. And with me just being depressed and like my, going through like um, different things that make me depressed, um, when I'm alone, I feel like depressed. Not all the time, but I'm saying like sometimes when I go like long periods of time without having interaction with other people, right. which are like, you know, <laughs> days and stuff like that, I feel I start getting depressed. Like I be wanting to hang out with my homeboys. Mm-hmm. I be wanting to hang around women. So right now I'm having a problem with actually just being alone. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, you know, that's some of the things that, that make me depressed. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's one of the biggest things that made me depressed, like finding myself mm-hmm. and understanding that like, I don't need anybody to be happy. Mm-hmm. What about you? What? Like, do you ever feel depressed ever? Do you even know what depression even actually feel like? That's what I was gonna say, like sometimes, you know, I'd be thinking like I'm down, like especially when like certain events happen in my life. Mm-hmm. And I'd be like, damn, I'm just I'm just feeling down. I might still smoke some weed and, you know, try but to cope. You say you say an event like somebody like passing Not away. Not an event or... like that. Like just some like probation or um it was it was one instance that happened a few months ago that like a bunch of my homies got indicted on some charges and I was like, yo, I, I know they're coming for me. Yeah. And <laughs> I just knew what I'm gonna snitch situa- on. Me. I had a situation like that too. Yeah. So I was <laughs> that was depressed. I was like, yeah. yo, like I didn't work to build all this shit up. Now I'm about to go to jail. And so like I was just down bad. But um I don't I know I deal with depression, but it's not just like a heavy toll on my life. Yeah. You know, like I think that I can I can wing off things. Like all I need is like, like, like a week or two. Yeah, like you can manage it very well. Yeah, yeah. I think so, so even my depression, like I can manage my depression, and mm-hmm. I do. Um, but at the same time, I'm starting to understand it more, mm-hmm. so I can just be a better person. Yeah. Um, that's why, like I tell people, sometimes you need to go talk to somebody. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Um, I think most people need to just go talk to somebody to be able just to vent. Mm-hmm. And have somebody literally just be like, hey, this is how, you know, just to give you the tools on how to handle different situations. Yeah. Because dealing with a depression or dealing just with life in general, like, you know, a lot of times we try to do everything ourselves. Sometimes it's okay to be vulnerable. And as being black, especially black men, we don't know how to be vulnerable. We always have to be hard. We mm-hmm. always have to be, you know, everything that everybody tells us that we have to be. Us being vulnerable is us being a bitch. Crying. I mean, that, that, that's what happened. Like, emotional. you know, yeah, we get emotional. Oh, he's been, even remember when we did the live um, and I was just telling people like, yeah, I'd be depressed like sometime. And then like somebody, you know, come in like, oh, he's going to cry when he when we get off, when he get off live. Right. And in my mind, <clears throat> I'm literally sitting there saying we're talking about depression. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you that I feel depressed sometime. And your comment is, oh, when you get offline, when you get off this live, you're going to go cry. I'm like. That like people are just so hurtful and so harmful that they don't even understand. Like, did I get offline or cry? Fuck no. Like, I'm a very strong person, mm-hmm. so a lot of this stuff like don't like it don't like it, it don't phase me at all. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but I'm just sitting here thinking like the culture that we're in, like we always have to be this strong guy, 
And I'm just like, like, when did this ever happen? Like, we can't talk about anything. We can't be vulnerable. Because mm. if we do, just like a lot, like, <laughs> multiple people, some people said, like, some other things that I'm sitting here just like, like, why are you guys just so, like, we're literally talking about mental health. I'm telling mm. you that I have, you know, I have my problems, and you guys are just bashing me, right. saying, like, all these hurtful things that, I mean, I end up laughing at them because I called you afterwards and I laughed, but I'm just like, like, how, what, who the fuck do these people think that they are mm-hmm. to sit here? And bash somebody like me that's saying, hey, I have problems I need help with. Mm -hmm. And the first thing you're doing is just jumping down my throat. And that just let me know, like, the society we live in is just a fucked up society. Mm -hmm. Like, like men can't go through shit. Like, men can't go through shit. Mm -hmm. Like, we always have to be hard. Mm -hmm. And then I looked at some of the comments because um. I think like you asked me something about it. And I'm like, oh yeah, I got this cars, I got this, this, and this. And then people, <laughs> it was so funny because some people they was like, it sounded like he just keeps saying everything that he has. I'm like, well, the question was, what was I doing and what did I have? And I'm like, and, and but you know, but having so that's what people don't tell you, having so much, um, a lot of people are always gonna jump down your throat about showing you anything. Mm-hmm. It can be, you know, I've been times where I pulled up in my Lamborghini and literally just got out, and I've had somebody be like, Oh, you think you own the world? I'm like, what? I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? Mm-hmm. Oh, you drive, like, you know, that car you brought, you could have done this, this, and this. Like, that car don't make, literally got into, like, a damn near hole. I'm like, where's this? I don't even fucking know you. Mm-hmm. I literally just pulled up and got out of my car. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to go and fucking target. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And, like, you know, we got into this whole thing, and I'm just like, I, am I bad for buying this, like, $400,000 <laughs> car? Like, 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 yeah, it costs a lot, but this is what, like, I like this. They can't afford it. You know, I was in prison. How long did you do in prison? Uh, in actual prison, two two years. And then I did like another year and a half with house. Mm. Uh, it was still prison, but I was free. Yeah. But um, I never, well, let me start off with this story, I guess. It would, it would be people I meet that would be like, you know, I would talk to them for like, you know, we would like in the same dorm, we would chop it up sometimes. Never seen them down or nothing. And... I would ask him like, "Yo, how much time you? How much time you got?" Oh, I got twenty years. Shit! I'm like, how the fuck are you doing this time, nigga? How you like? How I, long has he already done? Do you remember? Well, this one particular guy, he was already in like nine years. Okay. And I'm like, it, like, how the fuck are y'all not just sad and fucking? How y'all just living? Like, but we gotta do this time. And what I realized was like, we all was going through the same shit. We all was fucked up in the head, but we have to like just mask it you know and just kind of just like we can't talk about it like amongst men like bro i'm fucked up man like dog i think i got 20 years i got seven more years left of my i got a bunch of shit going on outside like we wasn't we wasn't doing that inside like we was just we would talk about it but we wouldn't really like say or speak on our, our mental state like guys that had 20 i met a guy that had 11 life sentences bro i, I rode the, i rode the, the the prison bus with him and you could never tell bro it was just cool he was telling jokes but- but, like, you, but you know how, where some of that come from, though, don't you? Where, um, so it's almost like this. I think like the longest I've ever did, like in jail, because I've been in that bad, was like I think six months. After like a month and a half of me being in there, like you literally just we we human, we adapt to yeah, anything just, yeah. around us. Yeah. So being in jail, after you've been in jail or in prison for a couple of months, that becomes your reality. Mm-hmm. Anything else? That's something like if I take you right now and, and take you to Japan and drop you off in Okinawa, like you know. After a month, that's gonna become your reality. Like right. you're gonna adapt to the situation. Mm-hmm. So being in prison or jail, you just adapt to the mm-hmm. situation that you're in. Um, and like I said, that first couple of months, you know, it's hard. But after so long, then you accept your reality. Then it just becomes just okay. Accept your reality. Like, I'm here. 
Like mm-hmm. this is this is what I'm, you know, this is what we're doing. Mm-hmm. So everything else kind of just the the outside world. That's why when people get out of prison after doing so long, um, they have a hard time with the outside world because they don't know it anymore because they've adapted mm-hmm. to being in prison and jail for so mm-hmm. long. Mm-hmm. Or people that you know are in the army and you know they go away for a year and they come back and they manage it, they you know, PTSD yeah. because they have adapted to a situation that they don't have to, the situation they don't have to go through anymore. Mm-hmm. So that's what a lot of it come on. After nine years, you just, you just adapted to mm-hmm. being in jail. Them niggas still depressed though. <laughs> <laughs> Hell still depressed. <laughs> uh, um, do you ever feel like you'll get to a point in your life where like you're just fully happy? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's times where I, so it's a couple of times in my life where I, I'm the most happy. I'm the most happy when I'm helping people that cannot help themselves mm-hmm. as of like through my company. Like when I'm when I'm with children, because, um, you know, like <coughs> doing Christmas and stuff like, you know, um, my company actually goes out to some of my patient houses to drop off presents, different things like that. Um, I have different charity events where like I have my patients and stuff come and we mm-hmm. do like some special things like Halloween parties and different things like that. Um, I'm like the happiest, like when I'm around like kids, just like the other day, um, it was a Saturday. We was going to vanity. We took out 15 exotic cars, Lamborghinis, McLaren, some everything. I posted it and it was this kid, these kids was walking by and it was like, man, like we love your car. This, this, and that with their parents. And then I let the kids sit inside my Lamborghini and crank it up all by itself and stuff like that. That's mm-hmm. what makes me the happiness. Mm-hmm. Um, that's like, I said, that's nothing. Me. And really when I'm at my house. And I got people over and they're swimming. They're just enjoying. I like people enjoying all of my hard work. Mm-hmm. That's what made me happy. That's true. That's one of the things that truly made me happy. Seeing all of the people around me enjoy all of my hard work. What about the people that that enjoy your hard work, but don't try to pour back into you? You don't. That doesn't kind of bother you sometimes because I, I went through those stages where like. I was making a lot of money and I, I felt like, you know, what makes me feel good is helping people. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, I, I, it was, I did it legally, but I got money, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm helping everybody. But I never got that back in return. Do you feel like, does it bother you? No? Or do you get that? Yeah, no, I get that. Um, and, you know, it's one of those type of things where I have people around me that, and it's sad to say, but I know they would never amount and do the things that I've ever done in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, I got people, I got some people that be around me that I know that are just takers mm-hmm. where, you know, they're just there as long as I'm there just giving. You accept that? Um, I don't so much accept it, but I'm okay with them coming around me and some of the things I've done in my life and some of the things that I have, because at the end of the day, it's still going to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like it's like my my house. Like you know, I I allow like a lot of people to come on my house all the time. Some of those people are there for like the wrong reasons. Some of the people don't care about me. Some of the people don't even know I even own them. I've had like a lot of people at my house think it's a damn Airbnb. Like when mm-hmm. I have like certain mm-hmm. events, or you know, some of my friends have stuff at my house, and they're like, "Oh, this is a nice Airbnb." And I'd be like, "I've literally stood right there and be like, yeah, this is a really nice Airbnb." <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because I, I don't really have, I don't have no pictures and stuff like of myself like just hanging around the house. Like you wouldn't mm-hmm. know. Um, and but just having people around, like I said, that are takers and stuff, my bills are still going to get paid. You know, my cars are still going to be paid. Like just because you're at my house swimming and particularly like you don't care about me. And it's like that don't bother me because, mm-hmm. like I said, it's not going to harm me. 
And all my relationships, I don't really need anything from like a lot of people. You know what I'm saying? I got like certain people that I count on for things, yes, but as of like, I don't, every relationship that I have with a person or run into a person, like you don't have to bring anything to the table for me to get to know you or for me to just have a conversation with you. Mm. Um, so that kind of is a loaded question to answer it. Um, yeah, it don't really get up under my skin because a, a lot of us, we focus too much on what does this other person bring to the table? Like, how can they be beneficial to me? Because mm. I'm going to be beneficial to you. But outside of that, I just look at I look at it as just being like, I'm just a great person and I'm an open person. Mm -hmm. So no matter who you are, no matter what you have, like, I just want to have a conversation with you to understand your life and your struggle and how you are and how did you get to the point of your life. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, you may not have nothing to bring to the table, but you've been through something mm -hmm. and I want to know what you've been through. You don't care about receiving love? I mean, I receive love. I receive love from my friends. I receive love from my family. Um, and, you know, it's true and it's honest. Like, my friend group that I have now, um, you know, it's a great friend group. Mm -hmm. um, and I receive, like, a lot of love from them. I receive a lot. Of, like, my mom loves. She blow me up all the time. Mm -hmm. Do I answer? Most of the time, no. And I need to start mm -hmm. answering and stuff. So I come from, like, my dad. Like, my, literally the other day on Father's Day, I was at my dad's house. My dad literally came up to my car. Um, I let him drive my lamb truck. Um, and when I was leaving out, he came up to my car and he was like, Jonathan, I just want to tell you, son, you know, I felt some type of way that <clears throat> lately, you know, you haven't really came by to come check up on me. I haven't really heard from you. I really haven't seen you. And I'm, I was very bothered by it. Mm -hmm. And I'm so happy that you came here on Father's Day to come see me because, you know, if you didn't. Like, mm -hmm. like it was going to be a problem, but I just wanted you, like he literally said, he said it was going to be a problem, but he literally said, he said, you know, um, but I'm happy that you did, but you know, I really was feeling, you know, mm -hmm. like down about my son wasn't checking on me and coming to come see me. Like, you know, I was expecting for him too. Mm -hmm. And, but I come from, like I said, that's why emotionally, like, you know, I can, like I tell my homeboys, I love them all the time. Mm -hmm. um, just not when certain things happen. Mm. Um, you know, I'm more like emotionally connected because like my dad, like, you know, he would say stuff like that, mm -hmm. um, which he's instilled that into me to be able to handle those emotions and not take them the wrong way. Yeah. So that's how, that's how that goes. <laughs> <laughs> well, go. Bro, you're such a giving person, bro. Like sometimes it's a little scary. I'd be like, you know, when we just met, you like, hey, bro, anything you need, bro, you need to use my house. Eat. You need to use my club or anything, bro. Yo, use me. I'm like, damn, Gucci is too. Like, I was like, I don't want to use him. Like, dog, all right, let me, I want to be your friend because I don't want to, like, my thing is, I don't want like people to give me stuff and then, like, I can't show no love back. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, 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 I just, I hate to be one sided. Like, I always want to, like, not even just give, but, like, be of service to anyone or, like, bro, be an ear, whatever. Just being, like, having my energy around, whatever it is. It's a lot of stories like that about me. Mm -hmm. Well, it's like, so even, you know, Neil, Neil David. Yeah. So the first time I met Neil, I met him when I was in, um, who was that? It was in Las Vegas and it was for a Grant Cadone event. Mm -hmm. I didn't know who Neil was. I met him through Mr. Two Weeks Out and um, I had a quick conversation with Neil. And Neil was like, hey, <laughs> um, I'm thinking about moving to Atlanta. And I'm like, oh, you coming to Atlanta? I'm like, well, shit, when you come down here, you don't got to get a hotel. Just come stay with me. Yeah. I'm literally like, just come stay with me. I got a car you could drive. I, I only known him like 10 minutes. And I'm like, I got a car you could drive. <laughs> like, just come down here. You're cool. So, so, even so, so, so he calls me like two months later. He like, Gooch, is that, is that, can I still come stay with you? I'm like, yeah, I, I had, I didn't follow him on Instagram. I didn't know what he did. He flew in. Um, I asked, I, I did, I hit Mr. I said, Mr. I said, 
who's Neo? He was like, oh, he do this. I'm like, is he a good guy? He's like, yeah. I'm like, all right, cool. He came down. I let him, gave him the keys to my Range Rover and, and stuff like like To me, all this materialistic shit don't mean anything to me. I don't really hold no value to it like that. Like, it's just, it's fun. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. just like I let the kid, like this 14-year-old kid, literally get inside my car, crank up my car, mm-hmm. turn it off. And like, even like when we do stuff, like I let kids get inside my cars and just, I'm just like a, when it comes out of this stuff, like, I just don't be caring. Like, I let people come on my house. <clears throat> and even with me extending, like, using my club and different things like this, like, I, to build very good relationships, I don't care about losing certain materialistic things mm-hmm. because it don't really matter to me at the end of the day. Finding great friends yeah. means more than anything else. Having great people, and I have a great tribe of people around me. And I've never really had anybody ever like really just try to fuck me over and stuff, yeah. at least not intentionally. Like, I've been through my situation where people have used me and done simple things. And to me, it's just like, that's you have to deal with that. Yeah. That's who you are as a person. Mm. Like, it's so many different stories about me being so given. Like, people would be like, man, Gooch, I came over your house. And the first time I met you, you was like, let me get this for you. Let me take care of this. Let me just do this. And that's just who I am as a person. Mm-hmm. That's instilled in me. And I have done all the stuff I've done in my life because of me being that person. And like mm-hmm. I, I've reached all these plateaus, so I'm not the part, like I'm just a loving person. Like I talk to anybody, you know. Like most people, when they meet me, they felt they feel like they've known me forever, and I like that about me. I like being open to where like uh, some people I come around and I just be like, I don't even want to talk to that guy mm-hmm. because like they just give off like an essence of just not being friendly. Mm-hmm. I'm a very friendly person, and I'm killing the game while being this friendly person. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So some people, they feel like they have to cut other people off. They have to be like, everything I got is mine. Like, I don't want other mm-hmm. people to enjoy like this. And I'm like, I'm the complete opposite. But if that's what you value, that's who you are. I'm not saying you're doing anything wrong, but mm-hmm. that's just not how I live my life. So even like your friend, like your homeboys that you introduced me to, like I'm just, as soon as they meet me, I'm going to be like this nice, like emotional, loving person. Hey, come, hey you need somewhere to stay? <laughs> yeah, I, I be like that. Like, like, I be, like, like my friends literally hit me up and been like, "Hey, Gucci, I got a friend coming to town. Like, can they can they come stay yes. at your place?" And I'd be like, "All right, cool." Like, I mean, I, I got multiple guest bedrooms that are full of suites and stuff in my house. I'm like, "Yeah, cool, come stay." And I get to know them. I mean, when I never had anything bad happen, I've never been robbed. I've never had any of that stuff ever happen to me. And, and another thing is, I don't really have nothing for nobody to fucking take anyway. Right. I guess when you got good energy, like you just. Like the universe is gonna keep good energy around you, because I don't know, bro. I got, I'm glad we had this conversation because I've had a problem with like making friends, and it's not that I people don't like me. People love yeah. me around me, but I've been scarred by old friends, and it it makes me hard to trust people. Like I don't I don't allow too many people in my life. I don't want to be so friendly. I'm a friendly person, but I don't want to be friendly. Yeah, because I've seen people use that. I've yeah. seen people use and abuse it. And but but all right, let me say like this. So I've been, I'd say I've been used and abused before. Mm-hmm. And the worst thing I could have done is close myself off to the rest of the world. And by doing that, you've met me. And like you said, you said, I'm so open. I'm mm-hmm. so, it's almost scary how I am. But you're seeing somebody like me being the person that I am and being open. And now it can show you the way of being like, maybe I don't need to be so closed off. So that's mm-hmm. another reason why I'm so open. I'm so friendly because a lot of people are like you where they've been hurt or they just not friendly. And not, then they meet me and they're like, this guy have all this shit going on. And he's just so nice and mm-hmm. so happy. 
And, you know, that, that's one of the reasons why, another reason why I am like that, to show other people that are closed off that you don't have to be that way mm-hmm. to, and, and you can still be safe and live an honest and live a great life. I mean, have I, have I showed you that by how, how nice I am? You know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, like just by, and like, you know, and I got a great network of friends. I mean, shit, you one of my friends now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even like the other day when we first tried to shoot, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Like when I was talking about, like I called Justin downstairs to yeah. try to help you. Like I'm giving you game on, you know what I'm saying? Some of the things that, that you was were doing. life-saving. Oh my <laughs> God. I don't even know how that happened. I don't even know, like just the universe just made that conversation happen. Like it, <laughs> Even if I never walked you downstairs, that would have never happened. Yeah, and I really needed that piece of information. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> no, no, no. You're, but I'm like that, but anybody. And and one of the things is, I'm a very cultural person. So, um, and I tell this to anybody, like life is what you make it, man. Mm-hmm. It it really is. Life is what you make it. And in this life that we live today, the only thing we can do is just learn and learn about other people's struggles. So I'm always trying to learn what other people have been through, so it can help me in my struggle of life. And when I say that, <clears throat> just like the other day, like I watched a damn show, some drag queen show, like I watched a damn drag queen show, but I didn't watch it in a, in a sense of, you know, like that's something that I can relate to. I watched it because I actually watched men who dress up as women and have to go tell their families and kids and their loved ones and their friends, like I'm coming out as being this guy that want to dress up as women. So a lot of the show was focused a lot on their struggles mm-hmm. of being that. Because I'm like, you know how strong of a person you have to be to come out and tell your wife and kids like, hey, I'm not gay, but I want to dress up as a woman and get on stage and dance and stuff like this. And just looking, <laughs> but just looking at their struggle, I was more, okay. oh, I, I was more focused on their actual struggle that they've been through and the things that they've been through because I'm always learning. And I'm a big believer in understanding and having something in common with everybody. So that's another reason, like, if you look at, like, some of my friend group and you see pictures and stuff with me, like, I'd be with, like, white guys. I'd be with, like, hood niggas. I'd be with around everybody because I can relate to pretty much anybody in any different, any type of situation. And that's got me actually through, you know, a lot of stuff I've been through just in life in general being able to have something in common because that's the only way that I think that you are able to, you know, become a better person is by having things in common with people that you essentially wouldn't normally have stuff in common with. That's how you create great friendships. You know what? Today I'm going to change my life. I swear. No, you're good. You're good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm going to change my life, bro. I'm but how? Gonna, what are you going to do? One, I'm going to pick up the phone for people. That, I, I do not pick up the phone, bro. Well, do you at least text them back? No. <laughs> I mean, I be busy, but then, okay, like, I don't know what it is. Like, I can't even explain why I don't pick up the phone, but there be times I don't pick up the phone, call back or nothing, and I be so wrapped up in work, and it shouldn't always be about work, you know? Yeah. Like, it should be about, you know, genuine connections, and if people need you, I don't know if these people really need me, I don't pick up the phone. Yeah. So I really want to be a better friend. I want to be a better friend, a better person when it comes to just dealing with people, Letting people in my life, like even like a guy like Mitch, you know, like Mitch is so cool. You know, what I'm yeah. saying Ty's so cool, and it's like sometimes I kind of like put this wall up against people because I don't know your true intentions, and it's like, okay, why are you even worry about that? Like if yeah. you're thinking about negative, negative will happen. But if you're just so open, if people use you, so what? Fuck it. And no, that's how I am. I, that's so literally, you literally said something. My, like I feel like if somebody uses me, 
they have to deal with that shit because I'm still going to be an amazing person. I'm still going to live like an amazing life. Mm-hmm. I'm still going to have fun. I'm still going to have a good group of people. So if you feel like you've gotten over on me or you've used me for whatever and you're like, oh, I got over on him, I'm like, cool. Like, I'm still going to be this super happy because my life, like, I live an, I live an amazing life. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of fun in my life. So if you use me and get over on me, if that makes you sleep easier at night, then that's just something that you got to deal with. It's not going to harm me. It's not going to also it's not going <clears> to <throat> cause me to shut down and be like, well, I'm going to cut everybody off. And if you're not bringing something to the table, then, you know, I'm not going to be your friend. No, that's not how it is. And, and I hate when I hear people be like, I've met women and guys. I don't have friends. I got associates. I'll be like. Who the fuck want to live a life like that? Like, like, does it, you think that shit sound cool? Mm-hmm. Like, does it sound cool for you to be like, I don't have friends? Like, everybody, I'm like, you sound like a fucking idiot. You know what I'm saying? Like, think about a life where you don't have friends, you don't have anybody that you trust, mm-hmm. you can't get over like something that somebody else did to you, and you're always just closed in. No, like, I like I put like I have friends that I trust with my life. You know what I'm saying? And some of the things that I do, I have to trust them with my life. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Even like with skydiving and stuff, like even like packing my parachute and stuff like that. Like, you know, I have to, I trust my friends to do things that could essentially like literally kill me or get me in like, you know, a lot of harm. And then even like when we're doing like some shooting exercises and stuff like that, like I have to trust these group of guys that I have with me on like not to fucking shoot me. <laughs> mm. um, so, you know, just, just going through life, like I love building friendships with people like, and I have a lot of friends and I have a lot of people I consider to be my friends mm-hmm. um, because of the nature of our relationship. And I love it to death. Now, does that mean that they're my friend? Like, I consider them to be my friend, but do they consider me to be a friend? A lot of, I mean, I would say yes, because I do bring a lot to the table. Mm-hmm. Because when they're genuinely with me, they genuinely have fun. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So that's why I say it, like, you know, nothing against it, but that's why, like, a lot of those you know, Instagram type people and like all that type of stuff. Like, you know, I kind of shy away from those type of people and things like that. And not because I'm not saying they're good people and stuff like that, but just some of their values and some of the things they do, I don't care for. Like, I hate being out and somebody pull out a camera. You know, I hate, you, you ever been out to eat and you see a table full of people that are all on their phones? Mm-hmm. They're not even interacting. Mm-hmm. Like stuff like that bothers me. It bothers me too. I, and I'd be the one at the table like, man, fuck this. I'm yeah, about, I'm about to make this shit lit. That's all. Yeah. You know that? And, and then, like I said, and, and like I said, and it's not even all of them. Like, I got like a couple of girls and stuff that like are like very famous and stuff like that, that be like that. And they're amazing people. You know what I'm saying? But I just, like you said earlier, you asked me, like, I particularly try not to date those type of women because we just don't hold a lot of things together. And I've met some of them that actually, you know, that have thing, a lot of things in common with me and stuff like this. I'm not even saying all of them, but it's just like that whole facade of, mm-hmm. of that. And then even coming down to with it, I'm just not the person that typically walk in the room that most women look at and be like, I want to suck his dick. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get into that because you said you don't like getting your dick sucked, man. Yeah, I don't. I don't I don't come from getting my dick sucked. I just never liked it. Like, it's just something I just don't like. You just, so, yeah, you, I just don't like getting my dick sucked. You just get pussy. Yeah, like I like I like fucking. Like that's my thing. Like if a girl want to go down there and do it, like I'm not gonna say no. But <laughs> right, right. no, no, I don't. No, stop, stop. No, yeah, but, but, but me pussy. Yeah, but but you know, but I'm not gonna, you know, particularly be like, hey, some dick. What 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 is it that you don't like about it? I just I don't fucking know. It's just like I just don't like. I, I'm not gonna say I don't like it. Don't but, but I can go without it uh-huh. and be cool. I'm totally opposite. Got to have it. 
Yeah, but this, and you know the thing about head is this is what killed me. I've always wanted. To, I, I ask women this sometimes. I'm like, why, why would a girl sit here and be like, you ever met a girl that'd be like, you can't fuck me, but I'll suck your dick. Yep. You gotta fuck me with a condom, but I'll suck your raw dick. That shit don't make no sense. The, sa- the same mouth I kiss my kids with, the same mouth I do all this. I would literally, I, I would think that a girl would rather be like, I'd rather you put on a condom and hit this pussy versus nothing inside my fucking mouth. And, and, I've never understood <laughs> that. Like, have you ever met a girl that's like that? Yeah. I, I don't, I've never understood that. It never, it don't make sense that you, you give me head raw, but I gotta fuck you with a condom. I mean, but they say they, they, they don't want any diseases, but diseases you going about too. It don't all. make sense. Yeah, like, like it don't make sense that you'll be like, I don't want you to fuck, but I'll just suck your dick. I feel like that's more intimate. I, I, yeah. I feel like getting, more personal. Yeah, it's more personal. Yeah, for sure. Like it's definitely more personal. Damn. Yeah. So, so you know, it's it's, it's just it's backwards with that. But I, but I was going to ask like, so what type of women do you actually like? I don't really have a type when it comes to like looks. Uh, I go based off of like personality, energy. I like, I don't know, I like different type of women. I just like feminine energy. As long as you're just not ugly. If I can, if, if we can get along, we could laugh, we could kick it. Um, I just go with vibes. Mm-hmm. It's hard to explain what I like because every woman that I deal with, none of them look alike. None of them have any type of like the same personality, anything. So it's just, I like vibes, people that I can interact with on different levels. Do all those women like bring stuff to the table? Mm-mm, no. Do, do, you, do you require your girl to bring anything to the table? Not necessarily uh, tangible things. I would just want something to be reciprocated. So if I'm, if I'm the breadwinner, if I'm taking care of you, mm-hmm. I don't want you just laid up in the house and you just got everything easy and you're not worried about me. You bring it to the table is making sure I'm happy, making sure I'm fed. Making sure I'm be I'm I'm get I'm getting pussy, you yeah. know, like being thought of, you know, it's just that simple shit. So like if I if I feel like it's like I'm being used, mm-hmm. then I'm getting out of that situation. Have have women used you before? Yeah, um, I don't think intentionally. They just, I guess they wasn't brought up well. Yeah, like I had a, a girlfriend. She was like five years younger. I took care of her. She just was. She ain't, she ain't know how to be a girlfriend. That's the best way to explain it. She ain't know how to cook, clean. Like, I, I know I was going through my indictment, and I went to her house, like, twice, and she didn't give me no hug or kiss or nothing. I was like, oh, this seems odd. You know, like, <laughs> I'm going through some shit, yeah. you know? And then the, the last time, I was like, yo, if I go over here and she don't do this again, I'm bringing this shit up. And I was like, yo, what's up? I came over here, like, three times. You ain't hugged or kissed me or nothing. Like, you know I'm about to go to prison, right? You know, the type of mental <laughs> like I'm going through shit for real yeah. like what do you like you don't I could be by myself and uh we broke up I broke up with her like did she understand it I don't know I don't fucking know so I think a lot of people don't honestly know how to date I don't think so either yeah I don't I think, think people know how to love properly as well I don't I think that stems from people don't know how to love themselves yeah yeah, remember I was mentioning that earlier, like being yeah. able to find yourself and love yourself mm-hmm. before, because how could you honestly love somebody else if you don't love yourself? Right. So I think a lot of these people out here, like they lust each other. Mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of people out here date because that other person checks a certain box. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like a lot of men, and I, it's, it's both ways. <clears throat> I feel like a lot of men will don't care anything about 
the values that a girl hold. They don't care anything about like her family values. They don't care if she cook, if she clean, as long as she look a certain way, mm-hmm. then he will just like do whatever. Like, do whatever. <laughs> like, I got I mean, I know some I got some friends who literally, if a girl look a certain way, like they will go out and go buy her that AP. Go out, I mean, find yeah. the spin map because they make so much. Mm-hmm. So they feel like all right, they can do it, but you know, at the end of the day, I'm like, like this girl don't care about you. And that's what happened with, um, with a guy that I know. Um, so basically, he went, got her whole body done, mm. all this stuff. He ended up having a stroke. And like the first thing she did when he had a stroke was like start taking his watches, his money, all this type of stuff and like trying to dip out. So it comes down to being I don't think like, you know, she really understood like look, she was only there for the yeah. financial. And, and then it goes the other way. A lot of women. You know, they only be there for the financial. Like they could mm-hmm. care less about loving a guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, I've seen women do this before too. I've seen where women um have came over my house and they brought dudes and they'd be like, Oh, um, yeah, he's rich, so don't worry about him. Like they would like so if the dude is ugly or don't fit like the type of guy that mm-hmm. she should be with, like physically, right, the right. first thing she says oh, he is, rich. Oh, he rich. And that instantly get them a pass. Yeah, yeah. It's like, I'm pretty sure some women probably say that around me, say mm-hmm. that about me when I've kicked so I, I under, And you know, I'm a realist. So like I said, I'm not the guy that walks in the room and the girl just be like, let me just suck his dick. Like, mm-hmm. you no, know, I'm attractive. A lot of women like me and things like that. But I've noticed a lot of more women like me once I start talking and they yeah. actually get to talk with me and things like that. Um, and then I know my financial has to play a big part mm-hmm. um, in that. And even being financial, I just tell it like this. You know, some guys have it, some guys don't. But if you do have it as of like financially, it just make it easier. Way so, easier. So if, if it's a girl, if it, let's say like it's a very, very pretty girl. You know what I'm saying? If she's a very pretty girl, if you have nothing at all, you have to be the most funniest, mm-hmm. like the most handsome. Like mm-hmm. you have to be on your fucking P's and Q's. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And it's a lot of guys out here who's like that. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But then if you don't, if you're just rich and you just have money, you know what I'm saying? Like when I pull up in my Lamborghini. And I get out the car and the girl see me get out of it. My conversation with her is literally like, oh, hey, what's up? Let me just get your number. I'm right. Re- I got somewhere yeah, I gotta go. That easy. You know, it's that easy. Mm-hmm. But if it's not, if she don't see me get out the car, then it's like, I actually might have to actually really like try like, right, like right. oh, hey, how you doing? You know, actually talk to her and like yeah. figure out what she has going on and stuff. Just like when I meet women like at my um at the grilled cheese spot, um, at my restaurant in Linux. You know, once they find out that I own it, it's like a lot easier. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. Or like if I'm sitting down, I'm doing something on my laptop and I might speak with them about like, oh, you like the food and stuff like that. And they're like, oh, yeah, I love the food, blah, like this. And then I get up and walk behind the fucking counter right. and then grab something and then come back. Then it's like, oh, you're the owner? I'm like, yeah, I'm the owner. And it's like, oh, and I'm like, oh, yeah, let me get your number. And it's like, mm-hmm. everything is like instant <clears throat> from that point. More of the story, guys. Get your shit together. Get no. your shit together. Make the shit easier. No, it do. I mean, that, that's the thing. So that's almost like an athlete. You know, I got homeboys who are athletes and I've seen them like at my house. They'll come on my house. It'll be like a party. And you know what I'm saying? They already like, you know, they look swollen and stuff. But mm-hmm. some of the girls that be over there, they don't care about none of that shit. As of like kind of like look wild. But as soon as they find out they're an athlete, now every joke he's saying is fucking funny. <laughs> like, like everything, everything he does. Like I've really had women be like, like because, you know, a lot of women I be around and stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm very friendly and stuff. So, you know, like they talk very plainly around me and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So I literally be like standing there next to them and they'll be like, ooh, oh, that's what's the name that played for such and such. Mm. And then like they'll go out there and go try to talk to him and stuff like that. And it just be funny just seeing like how these women talk 
like about me and, mm-hmm. and understanding like like shit we fucking cattle in this motherfucker <laughs> but it's the same way like it's you know, the same way yeah it's and the same men way. like you know we talk about women purely like on their looks mm-hmm. and, and and just let's just be real I will let a pretty girl get away with a lot more than I will a girl that I don't find attractive personally. Very true. You know what I'm saying? I definitely will. So you I'm would, alone those guys. It's a bunch of red flags that you're just going to excuse. Yeah. Just oh, it's going to be a whole bunch Just because she's light-skinned, wavy hair, fat ass. Oh, Fuck it. We're going to put up with whatever. Yeah. Oh, I, I know it. I already know. It's just like you said, like we don't even care like where their family came from. We don't care about their morals. We would change their life. Yes. We'll change yeah. fuck where you, where all, you all over looks. And yes. they can be the fucking headache. Yes. I mean, they can literally just be a fucking headache. Yes. Yes. And I think social media is 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 making that like more evident as of because it's a lot of women that like I've met on social media that I normally just wouldn't have the chance to meet. Just mm-hmm. like because of just live where they live at. Yeah, like, yeah. I've flown girls. I've flown girls in from like around the country. Australia, nigga. I've flown girls from out the country in too. So the thing is, but <laughs> but my thing, like, I would have never been able to meet this girl. Oh, shit. Oh, you got somebody got to buy a flight for? Oh no, I got some more. I forgot to bring up this topic. Go ahead. Though. Oh yeah, but like, but my thing is, I've I've um I've flown girls in like for like around the country. I mean, around the world and different things like that. But because of social media, I was able to meet them. Mm-hmm. So now in today's world, you'll see it where you see girls who have like hundreds of thousands of followers and stuff. And my homegirls who have sometimes million of followers, they'll show me like DMs from like rappers, athletes. And I just be like, holy shit. Mm-hmm. Like, I'll be like, damn, like Drake really in your fucking DMs, like trying to hit you up. Like, mm-hmm. on like some, I'll be like, but if they're, because now it's attainable. To where at first, if you talk to like an athlete or a rapper or something like that, you have to like run into them somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now all they gotta do is just hit you up on Instagram, and the girls be going for it too. Oh. Like they be going. Like I know some athletes; they just flew out like three private jets from three different places in the United States to Turks and Caicos just wow. to go hang out with them, put them all up in a mansion. I'm like, then then they come around me, and I'd be like, yeah, I'm not doing none of that for you. <laughs> but <laughs> what we will do, we'll jump out of airplane though. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Like, like, we'll go, like, I will, we, but that's, that's where my thing come in at. Yeah, I may not buy you no Chanel purse, but, yeah. we, like, we're going to fly first class. Experience something, yeah. something that you can experience with them. Instead of going to spend 10000 on the bag, yo, we can go take this 10000 go take a trip, go do all this shit, take pictures. Oh, and, and we're going to do some amazing stuff. And we're going to remember this stuff. Yeah. Versus and, if you leave me, mm-hmm. you can't just walk away with the Chanel bag. You yeah. don't walk away with these memories. Yeah. You'll never forget me. No, and a lot of women said that. They'd be like, I've set the bar very high. Like I said, like even when I take my ad, like, you know, we're gonna fly first class, we're gonna stay in like one of the best places. And that's one thing I stay like in five star diamond hotels. Um, everywhere I go, or even if I rent like an Airbnb and stuff, like it's gonna be like a three, four thousand dollar a night. That's my massive place. And it might be only us two, because I'm just used to certain things mm-hmm. and I work hard enough to have it. So like, yeah, you know, the trip might cost me 25, 30 grand for me and her. You know, that, that I would spend that. Easy. And I spend it all the time on, mm. on like most of my trips that I go on. Um, but like, yeah, going to go buy That's you a like good a, trip. I ain't gonna hold you. That's a good trip. Twenty third thousand. Yeah, because like, uh, I'm like, so even like this, like when I go snowboarding, for me to get you, especially in Aspen, for me to get you like a one on, because if you go snowboarding or skiing with me and you've never done it, like, I'm gonna get you a one on one class, two of them, uh-huh. like for two days. <laughs> so each day in Aspen, that's fifteen. That's three grand right there. Wow, fifteen hundred for a class for one on one. Where you're gonna be you and an instructor, one on one. I can't show none of my and, girls and, this. T- and then like when I stay, like if I stay somewhere, like even so, like I like staying at the W in Aspen. It's super nice. Like when I stay there, that's twenty nine hundred a night, and I'm usually there for a week. So when I it's not stay. the regular room. No, 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 no. It's that, but that regular room start off in Aspen at. 
1200 a night at the W um, in Athens. So like I said, mine's more like close like the three grand because I, I get like the suite, but that's anywhere I go. Mm-hmm. But that, that's what I'm about, like the experiences. So mm-hmm. yeah, I'm not. And then like I said, I don't dress that way. Like, if I, like when we go out and stuff, I'm going to have on like a black pair of jeans. You know what I'm saying? Like right, a right. all saints type of black shirt. Like I dress <laughs> clean, but I'm not going to have one all the designer. The low key millionaire. Yeah. And I'm just going to be low key. All right, fuck this conversation. Uh, I know you're about to ask. What about to ask? Uh, just go ahead and ask. What about to ask? Just go. I got something to do with out the country. <laughs> you damn right. <laughs> Passport bros. <laughs> okay. Man, so you recently went to Columbia. Um, you, you FaceTimed me. It's two hours? Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Shit. As long as they I have had. Um, <laughs> this is the last topic, though. Okay. Um, Passport bros, you recently called me while you was in Columbia. Um, having a great time. Yeah. Um, can you just speak about your experience? Uh, out there in Colombia. Well, this is what people have to understand about any Colombia, DR, Costa Rica, um, where's another one? Amsterdam, anywhere like that. The women out there are really beautiful. Some of the most beautiful women, like in the world, are mm-hmm. going to be at these tropical places. That's mm-hmm. where they're going to be. And in these tropical places, these women are a part of what we consider to be like sex tourism. Yeah, that's what they call it. I mean, so no matter where you go in like these countries, everybody, it could be the police officer, it can be the waitress at your restaurant. And these women are very, very, very beautiful. So the same women that we see here that we would consider to be like an instrument and like they get their bodies done too. So, you know, they'll have like a BBL and, but, and have you noticed a lot of women will fly to these countries to get the stuff done, mm-hmm. get their teeth done, get mm-hmm. their, you know, their titties done, get their ass done and stuff in these countries. So that means that all the women that live there, like they, like yeah. they've been doing it so much, so they have perfection out there. Mm-hmm. So out there, like the cute, light-skinned BBL, pretty face, straight teeth, long hair, um, everywhere, everywhere. Like it's a million of them running around there, mm-hmm. and like you can like literally pay them like a hundred, hundred and fifty, and like they're coming home with you for like. What's the di- what's the difference between <clears throat> American women dealing with American women oh, and then shit. dealing with? Women out, even if it's not about sex, though, mm-hmm. regular so, women out there. So I've noticed this dealing with regular women out there like they they're more giving. They're more understanding. When I say they bring like a lot to the table. So if I meet a girl out there, she's not so persistent on who I am, how much money I have and things like they really try to get to know who you are as mm-hmm. a person. Mm-hmm. Where over here in America, as soon as you meet a girl, I've had women I've literally met and they was like. Oh, what's your Instagram? Because they wanted to see who I was and what I had before they, before yeah. like they put me in the category as of, oh, he's just a rich nigga or whatever. Like they yeah. want to know what I have going on. Yeah, yeah. Versus getting to know who I am out there. Like when I meet women out there, like they're literally trying to understand who I am and what I have going on. Even just asking like about my family. Like, you know what I'm saying? And half the time they don't ask what I do or mm-hmm. anything. Like they don't ask like where I stay, what kind of cars I have or anything. They don't ask for like my social media mm-hmm. and stuff. They honestly just get to know who I am. Um, as a person, and they pay for stuff out there too, mm. for the meal. So like, if I go out to eat, like they'll literally pay for the meal. Mm-hmm. They're trying to do fun stuff, like oh, like let's go to this mountain over here and like go have fun, like at this mountain. Like let's go do these work. And a lot of stuff don't mm. even cost money. Just be, they just want to spend time. American women isn't like that. American women, you you get pussy in America. Mm-hmm. Why do you why do you go why do you go to Colombia to get well, pussy? We gotta understand in Colombia. I, I look at it like this. Just being in Colombia and stuff like that, I like business. And with business, there is certain things that I can do and certain things that I can't do. 
with friendly relationships, friendly relationships can get you in trouble. Mm-hmm. So when I say friendly relationships get you in trouble, friendly relationship is a girl showing up at your house, knocking on your door, scratching up your car, all this type of stuff. A business relationship is, hey, I'm paying you to do this right here mm-hmm. and anything outside of this don't count. Mm-hmm. If that kind of makes sense. So it, that, that's that's where it comes down to being. And a lot of us just being men, like, you know, we are like we only want one thing at the end of the day. So think about all the women that we run into over here in the States and stuff like I don't particularly like I, I don't want you. I don't. And I think that's something that a lot of these beautiful women get confused with men. They think that we want them. We just want to fuck you. Like, yeah, you got hundreds of thousands of followers. You got niggas putting you on private jets. You got all this other shit going on. But I don't, I don't, I don't care. I don't want you. I just want to fuck you. Like, I don't care about you. And I think they get confused of thinking men lusting for them is men wanting them as a person mm-hmm. when that's just not the reality of it. You get what I'm saying? So, so with them, like, there's no confusion about it. You know what I'm saying? So that that's where the like, you know, it's so much easier out there because it's just fun. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? They understand, like, hey, you just coming out here just to come have sex, come fuck, and then go home. Like, there's no mental attachment. Mm-hmm. And then over here, you know how much money you spend, like, trying to wine and dine, like a Instagram model influencer. Nigga, like sometimes I go, I go out to <laughs> eat, I go out to eat one. Let me go to goddamn Capital Grill. She ordering fucking shit that Yo. I've never even heard of. Let me get this. Let me get that. Oh, can I get a bottle of? Bro, I had a girl order a bottle of Moet one time on me. It was just me and her, and I'm like, you know, I don't smoke and I don't drink, mm-hmm. so I don't smoke weed, I don't drink alcohol. Um, and like she, I'm like, why are you like ordering a whole? Like, why you just don't get a glass? It don't make no fuck. Bottles like two, three hundred. But me being a man, I'm like, I want to be like, bitch, you know. But then I was like, this bitch is so bad. I was like, oh yeah, listen, I'm gonna get the pussy at the end of the night. You know, hey, whatever's gonna cost me, bro. I didn't even get to hit the pussy. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I, yeah, but I, I didn't even get to hit the pussy. But you know, but the thing is, men go out there and do stuff like that just for the simple fact of. You know, it's a business relationship out there. We understand yeah. this beautiful girl. I just want to fuck her. That's it. Like, I don't no want to. Even with a lot of the women here, like I don't even. I don't. I don't want to hear about your problems. I don't want you to hit me with your rent is late. I don't want you know you to sit here and be like try to have to take you some expensive place. Like I just want to fucking get the, and just go on about my business. Yeah. But with women here, like you have to date them. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And then women always be like, "Well, keep it real. Just tell us <laughs> up front that you want." Yeah, you go tell that bad bitch that all you want to do is hit. <laughs> and you, you tell me how that work out for you. It ain't going to work out. It ain't going to work out. Or, or, or she's just going to want, monetarily, she's going to want something. And it ain't going to be $100, I promise it's going to be mm-hmm. that goddamn Chanel back. Because you, you hear rappers talk about it. Like, you've heard Lil Baby say in the songs, like, shit, if she don't want to come, I'm going to pay her. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, Yo, just imagine if we had that culture in America. Oh, Man, so. life would be like, I don't know, black women. They would be like pissed. What what would they do if we could just get pussy just like that for hundred dollars? Oh, oh we wouldn't we wouldn't go through half of the shit. We wouldn't even deal with none of this stuff. No, we wouldn't deal with none of it. I mean, like, and even like some of the girls out there, like you know, I've hung out with them and stuff, and like they just be like they're just so nice and just so happy. They just want to just get and then everything like they just anything you want, like they're there to do without no question asked. Like I've met women here, and you know I've been like, well, what do you do for a guy? that you're trying to date like do you fold clothes do you do that? i've had women literally be like no nah, i don't do none of that that's wifey shit 
I'd be like, but what you- about cook? No, like that's wifey shit. I'm like, so you're telling me as a man, I have to do, I have to treat you like my wife. I have to buy things for you. I have to take you on trips. I have to pay for your lifestyle. Um, if you're in trouble, I have to be there. I have to make sure that you're safe. I got to do all this stuff. And all I get in, in back is supposedly like your loyalty. Like you don't have to do anything. Right. And, but that's the kind of the culture that we live in. Like mm-hmm. it's always we have to chase women and we have to do all this amazing stuff, whether it's monetary or not. You know, it might be you get a flat tire at 4 a.m. in the morning. Like I have to be the guy to pick up the phone and come mm-hmm. get you. That has nothing to do with money. But you over there doing the bare minimum. But you oh, over that's, there doing... That's wifey stuff. Yeah, but that's wifey stuff. Like, mm-hmm. and I, I've never understood that. So I have to do everything for you to be able to, mm-hmm. to do nothing. But it's been great that I've, made, I've met some really amazing women who, yeah. who don't think like that. I've met some really amazing women who mm-hmm. literally go out their way. So even like my ex, like, um, she probably was like the most amazing person I've ever met in my life. As of like, she did some of the most amazing things for me. And, you know, it, it it just, it changed, like, how I thought on how I think about women just in general. Like, she was doing stuff that I don't think any girl would ever do, honestly. <laughs> like, she was just going out. She put like this. She, was, she made sure that I was always felt like I was loved. And she made sure that I was always, like, I knew that I was always, she, I was always being thought about. So she she always went over and beyond to do this. It's so simple. Why not wife her? Um. So yeah, it's a whole big situation about that. Okay. Well, <laughs> well man, it's a good interview, bro. I never had a two hour interview. But yeah, I know. It's like we just been saying talking. Yeah, we just chopping up. Yeah, they've been talking about. Oh, but I want to ask you. So I know um the thing. What do you have going on with Justin? Like I know you was coming up with a webinar and stuff like that. So like, what do you got going on before we jump off here? Um, I have. Well, I'm starting this community for mm-hmm. it. For men and women, just people in general, just trying to help them level up in life. Um, I'm teaching them my ways of how I got to where I got to, and I'm putting them onto like my network. I just want to help people. Like, yeah. Um, it ain't really about the money. It's just a lot of people that they they want this information, and I, I can easily teach it. So um, it's Rich and Unemployed University. Justin, he basically uh, is helping me with my webinar because. Okay. I mean, I don't know how to sell people, to sell people, to sell to people. And I don't really want to be an expert in selling to people. I just want people to join. But, you know, you got to trick people sometimes. You got to, yeah. it's psychology. So you got to get people to get into your program or whatever. So if that's what it takes to 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 help someone, <laughs> then I got to do what I got to do. A lot of people don't want to help themselves. No. A lot of people go off of, they see what other people have. They see shiny stuff. And they're like, oh, I want the shiny stuff, yeah. but they don't know how to get it. Don't know how I did it. Don't yeah, know don't, how much work I put in. They don't know how much work. But that's why we give them the shortcut. Yeah. So people have to understand this. Yes, there's a lot of different ways that you can attain a lot of different things in life. Mm. But the best way to do it is to follow somebody who's already done it, who can tell you how not to make the mistakes that they've made. Mm-hmm. So that's where, like you're saying, like a lot of people want to do amazing podcasts. A lot of people want to understand relationships and things like this. You've been through all of that. Mm-hmm. So why not pay somebody for their time? And people be like, well, why do you have to pay for the time and stuff? No, you have to pay somebody for their time. Yes. Because we have our own lives. We have different things that we're doing. Mm-hmm. So you're paying me for my knowledge of what I've been through. And it's the same thing like school. Think about it. when you go to college, you're just you read books that other people have written mm-hmm. from their knowledge of going out and doing it. Mm-hmm. You're literally doing the same thing. Same shit. So for what you're doing, like I said, congratulations on being Thank able you. to do that. 
because that, that's going to change a lot of people's lives and going to give them a shortcut. Not saying that they wouldn't reach that plateau, but just saying they're going to do it way quicker because they have somebody who's been through it. And like I said, they're going to have somebody who care about their students. And then Justin is an amazing person, so he's going to make sure that you're on point. So like I said, just make sure that you stay at it. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Make sure that every person that come your way, that they have their own things going on. And you have to just understand that you can't treat everybody the same way um, or teach everybody the same way. Mm -hmm. And that's one thing I don't really like about schooling. They try to teach everybody the same way. And a lot of us don't understand that way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, you know, try to make sure everybody is successful um, mentally, physically, financially. Um, and you're going to do great things. So that's why, I like, you know, that's why I teach people how to open up home health care services. Because, like I said, they don't have to have a um, background. They don't mm -hmm. have to have a medical background. They don't have to have no medical degree. And I teach them how to open up very successful home health care companies and sending out nurses, CNAs, LPNs, RNs to take care of people who essentially can't take care of themselves. And mm -hmm. that means so much because at the end of the day, it gives them a feeling of doing something that really matters in life. And a lot of things we do, we don't. We don't get that feeling. Mm -hmm. So that's why I help so many people open up these companies around the country. So, you know, just congratulations to what you do. Just stay at it. And the best feeling in the world is, is changing somebody's life. Mm -hmm. It def definitely is. I've changed people's lives before. Um, but now you're going to streamline it. Right. Gonna, but now you're going to have it streamlined. Right, 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 yeah. right, right. And it's going to be impactful, too. Like, I'm not going to steer nobody down the wrong path. You know, like, I really want to help people, bro. And this life could be so simple. Like, you, it ain't got to be, like, the hardest thing, like, People overthink things. Yeah. And and sometimes people don't try hard enough. Some well, people, sometimes people need some motivation, need confidence. No, they do. So a, a lot of people, what I've come to find out is, you know, it's easy for me to get out. Because one of the questions that I hear, one of the, one of the questions I hear all the time is when I get out, like, one of my Lamborghinis or one of my cars, they're like, what do you do for a living? And when I tell them I'm in healthcare, or I tell them like I own a club or I own a cheese spot or a coffee shop and anything like this, then they in their mind they wrap around like, I'm right here in front of you. Mm -hmm. I see that you're a young black guy. I can do it too. Mm -hmm. And that means a lot. Mm -hmm. So us just being young black gentlemen that's actually on our shit. Mm -hmm. You know, we have to show the way. It's almost like, you know what I'm saying, like seeing a rapper or something like with a big chain yeah, and like yeah, with yeah. all the jewelry and stuff on. It's like people have to see it. Mm -hmm. So people, like they see my mansion, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? They see the car, they see the trips, they see different things I talk about and different things I'm able to do. And then they're like, okay, I can do what they do. Because mm -hmm. being a, you know, being an athlete, that's something you have to start when you're younger. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you might be able to make it in rapping, but shit, half of us can't even hold a damn tune. <laughs> so, you know, it's like, what else can I do is be an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. But being an entrepreneur means so much because, you know, a lot of people, when they look at entrepreneurship, I look at it like this. Have you ever heard it? It takes a tribe to raise a child mm -hmm. or it takes a village, a village to raise a child. Yes. Yeah. I look at it takes a village to raise an entrepreneur. Because it takes so much to go into entrepreneurship of mm -hmm. doing this. So mm -hmm. when you follow behind people mm -hmm. like us. You know, mm -hmm. we can give you basically the gift of life because no matter what we do, no matter who you talk to, you can either breathe life or death into anybody mm -hmm. with your words. I always choose breathing life and I breathe life into all my mentees and stuff because I'm showing I'm pushing them. I'm like, look at me. I've done it. I've been through the hardship and I'm giving you the easy way to do it. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we're most of humanity is like kids. We have to see it yeah. to believe it. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So it's mm -hmm. like I'm showing you that. 
Like I've done it. Look at it. I'm mm-hmm. showing you the numbers. Mm-hmm. So that's what we have to do. So that's why, like a lot of times, like you know, we have to show off the cribs and the cars and yeah. all this stuff because it's like, if I like, would you believe me if I'm if I sit here and be like, that's why a lot of people don't believe I'm multi-millionaire once I get out my car and they just meet me out. Once I start talking yeah. and I say certain things, they'll be like. Mm-hmm. You like, like you be you be where you do mm-hmm. what, but just in general, like you know, you have to show them it for them to really understand and believe it. Mm-hmm. And that's just let me know. That's just the way how how it is. So you're gonna get used to it. One important thing you just said: take a tribe, a village, for mm-hmm. entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. And that is so true. I mean, like I le- I learned podcasting from David Shands. Oh, amazing but, guy! But from from the other people that I met, and you know. Things people show me to implement, like you and Justin, yeah. webinar, other people, offers, ebooks, courses. Like, it's so many things that I've learned from so many people. I'm going to be like an ultimate entrepreneur. No, you are. We're going to make sure you're not going to fail. That's crazy. I'm so glad I did this, man. All right, man. <laughs> Let's wrap this up, man. You got anything else for the people, brother? So, one of the things I just want to make sure I tell the people is just, just understand who you are as a person and always learn that other people are going through their own struggles and just understand that when people are going through their own struggles and going through different things that we have to honestly be kind to them and you never know when somebody else is going through a struggle. So always tell people that you love them because you'll never know when you're going to see them again. Just understand that telling somebody that, you know, telling a young lady like, you know, she's beautiful, telling your homeboy like, bro, you've been killing it because it's been times where I've been going through things and somebody gave me really kind words and it went so much further than they ever knew because they didn't know what I was going through. And that's being men and women. Like we go through things all the time. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, you know, we need somebody just to be nice without knowing what we're going through. So just being humans, just being kind and just understanding that the people around us, they're going through their own struggles on a daily. Mm-hmm. And just being like, like just telling them like something nice, just hitting up your homeboys, just being like, yo, bro. Hey, I was thinking about you. I love you. You're mm-hmm. killing it. Keep going. And not even asking them like what they're going through. A lot of times we fall into that fact of trying to ask people like, you know, what you're going through. Let's talk about it. Sometimes, you know, they don't want to talk about it. They're not even in a space to talk about it. But just reaching out to them and just being like, you know, I love you. I've been here for you. I've seen your growth. Mm-hmm. Just being nice. I think that's one of the biggest things I just want to tell people because all the money, all the car, all the shit really don't matter. But just like how, you know, me and you are like, you know, I'm just a nice person to you. Um, it goes so much further. Mm-hmm. I love that, bro. Be kind, be nice. Be kind, be nice. Be kind, be nice, bro. Be genuine. Just never know what people go through. All right, this is Rich and Unemployed, the podcast, number one podcast in the world. Thank you guys for tuning in. It's probably the longest podcast I've done with a male, a man. <laughs> um, but this was just organic, man. We were just chopping it up. Like, we were just homies, which we are. So, um, y'all tapping with Gooch. I mean, G. I mean, Jonathan. <laughs> <laughs> All right, till we meet again, man. <laughs>
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.